right, let's get started here. It is Saturday, 12.01 p.m. How's everybody doing this weekend? It is BK here back on our regularly scheduled Saturday. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at BK Actual Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at BK Actual. And uh, yeah, actually last weekend I was up in uh, the L.A. area kind of all weekend. Uh, I decided to keep my paramedic license active. So I was going through a refresher course there. So I got to give a shout out to my man who was sitting next to me, a longtime FBI agent. Great guy. So what's up, D? Got him listening to the podcast now. Of course, you guys know me. As soon as I found out he was a Fed, I'm like, tell me about Comey. So uh, it was great. Uh, big ups to him. And it was uh, cool meeting him and everything else like that. So why don't we go ahead and kick this week off from beautiful San Diego. Definitely summertime is definitely coming here, you guys. you got to tighten the abs up. Uh, I'm telling you, ladies, get out there. You know, do the lunges. Do what you got to do. It's beach season, baby. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so get ready for that. So uh, why don't we start this week with this heinous, fucking violent, insane, lunatic terrorist in New Zealand. And let's go in to the gory details on this. The man accused of carrying out the worst mass murder in New Zealand's modern history. One that left 49 people dead and more than 40 others wounded at two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, has been identified in court documents on Saturday, today, as 28-year-old Brenton Harrison Tarrant. The suspect, who officials said, is an Australian citizen was charged with one count of murder and many more obviously expected to come. Now, three other people were detained by the police, although one was released hours later, possible mistaken identity. Uh, another 18-year-old local man was charged with intent to excite hostility or ill will, but they would not elaborate on them, on that charge. Uh, now, this has really jumped the forefront because this has everything that the, 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 it just got everything. It's got racism, it's got uh, religion, it's got murder, it's got social media, which we're going to get into, and that played a big part. And this is something that I think we're going to see a lot more of. I mean, this guy has definitely set the standard. Before we, the, If you did watch the shooting before they took it down, and I did because I was tracking it as it happened, and I immediately like texted the video to Jack Murphy, my man, uh, former Army Ranger, former Green Beret over at Soft Rep. And I was like, dude, watch this video. It's insane. And I know a lot of you guys didn't want to watch the video. I did not share the video. I mean, we're all big boys here. But we're all adults. You can go find it if you want to see it. I did watch it because, you know, I want to see what happened. And it was about like 14 minutes long. Pretty horrible. Like the dude just smokes everybody he sees. And he's just like firing randomly in like piles of bodies. Over and over again. And, you know, one guy tried to tackle him. That guy ended up getting shot and killed. You can see the whole thing on camera. And then, like, the shittiest of all is actually around the 12-minute mark when the dude is leaving the mosque. And he actually fucking is walking by. And you hear this woman. She's, like, crawling on the ground outside. And she's just going, help me, help me, help me. Dude fucking blows her head right off right there. Like, he was doing security rounds in that mosque. You know, like, walking by people and pumping around or two into them to make sure they were gone. Very graphic, uh, brutal, disturbing. And, you know, it's, what can you say? It's, uh, 
This is definitely the standard. So, I mean, shit, dude. This is like this is like what the other terrorists are gonna do now. They saw this guy with his friggin' body cam, and they're like, "Why haven't we been doing that?" So, uh, let us get more into the details now. A man at the door to the first mosque, which was the Al Nur Mosque, actually called out, and you can see this in the video. Hello, brother just before he opened fire with his weapons. And then you see him, as I said, uh, shooting wounded people, getting at like point-blank range. And this was during Friday prayers, and people were trying to run, scream, climb the walls around the building. Parents were trying to shield their children. Um, that Facebook video, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The Facebook video, they say, was shot from the killer's helmet-mounted cam. Uh, not like a, I thought it was like a chest rig or something. And he also wrote a manifesto, 75 friggin' pages. I'll get to that in a minute too. And he pointed out a very, uh, an array of possible role models, like racist mass murders to uh, a guy named Oswald Mosley, the 20th century British, British fascist. Never heard of him. Uh, now in that statement, you know, he uses kind of like the far right, uh, stuff like white genocide. He says that a lot. And he also, but he also like points out some bizarre, weird passages in it, like how he uh, looks to Candace Owens, that uh, African-American uh, conservative commentator, as like inspiration. And like, you, you don't know if he's like trolling or not because the guy's stated intent, he wants the Civil War. You know, everybody, do. we've all got, like, our right-wing uncle with this, right? The guy stockpiles guns. He's ready for civil war. He's ready. And that's what this guy wanted. He wanted to, he, his plan was to have such a fierce backlash and overreach that they're going to come for the guns, get to that in a minute, too, and then that'll kick off his long-desired civil war between the races. And that's what he wants. He wants total chaos. Of course, Facebook is coming under fire for this because... And YouTube, because you know, I mean, it's impossible to keep on this twenty four seven. I will say YouTube did a pretty good job scrubbing the video because when I first, uh, so I was looking at YouTube right. I happened to be looking at Twitter right when it happened, and the first alerts came out. And then I saw the link to the YouTube video, and I watched it, and I told it to Jack we were discussing it, and then it was gone. So I mean, think about how many millions of videos on YouTube are being uploaded constantly. You can't tell. Uh, so. This reverberated around the world. Obviously, President Donald Trump waited. Um, Theresa May from Great Britain weighed in. And several leaders of Muslim countries weighed in. Uh, on Twitter, pr uh, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who we've talked about many times, called the attack, quote, the latest examples of rising racism and Islamophobia. Oh, End quote. Okay, well, let. why don't you fucking calm down for a minute? Of all people, that guy. Now, when he was driving his white SUV to the mosque on Friday afternoon, the gunman played aloud a propaganda song that pays tribute to Radovan Karzdik, the former Bosnian Serb leader who was convicted of genocide and war crimes. 41 of the people who died were killed at that mosque, the Noor Mosque. Now, seven others were killed at the Linwood Mosque, about three miles away, and 41 uh, died at the Christchurch Hospital, which lies between the two mosques. The prime minister, 
who is a woman named Jacinda Ardern, said on Saturday that a total of five firearms, including two semi-automatic weapons, were used in the attacks. Now, as one of my Australian listeners pointed out to me on Twitter, uh, New Zealand does have fairly lax gun laws uh, compared at least to Australia. Like Australia, you are after, remember the Australian uh, massacre some years back to where the guy used a long gun. After that, the Aussies just banned him completely. However, he told me that, yes, in New Zealand, you can get pretty much any caliber. You know, you have to, it's still like permits and stuff, but they don't really have a big deal because they have very little gun violence. Now, the prime minister says, quote, our gun laws will change. Now is the time, end quote. And we'll see. He also, apparently some IEDs were involved. Two homemade explosives were found on the suspect's car, the police said. And while children were among the dead, the victims were prominently from the age of 20 to 60-ish and a large number of men. Um, I'm just going through more of this New York Times story. And it's it's, it's basically kind of telling the anecdotes about how, how this guy went about his business. Now, when he left for good, he fired down the sidewalk. Like, this dude was just, like, firing in the street. And that's when he went up to that woman crawling in the street and straight fucking executed her, basically. He left about six minutes after he had arrived. After, As he began to drive away, he fired into parked cars with a pump-action shotgun before speeding off. It's insane. Uh, the first calls to the police came at about 1.40 p.m. local time. And just... Uh, it's pretty pretty bad. I mean, this is just straight cowardice. Like, what kind of fucking coward pussy is going to go... Yeah, you're going to go do, get into a gunfight with a bunch of fucking dudes praying. I mean, get out of here. It's, it's just absolutely horrific. You know, they said one thing. The Bangladesh national cricket team were in Christchurch for a, mat, a match, and they were supposed to go to that mosque. And they had to cancel because they were running late. Unfucking believable. What else? And I have a few other uh, stories regarding his radicalization and how it happened. And they're saying this is like kind of steeped in the culture of the internet. And if you did watch the video, you can also see the guy saying, right before he gets out of the car to walk in the mosque, you hear him go, don't forget to subscribe to PewDiePie. If you don't know who PewDiePie is, he is a very popular guy on YouTube, uh, says controversial shit, pretty funny, nothing ever harmed. As a matter of fact, he put out a statement like, this is horrifying, I'm fucking super pissed that this guy used my name. But yeah, 28 years old, man, and not even from New Zealand at all. They're saying that the this guy may have worked as a personal trainer at a gym until he finished school in 2009. And then he left to travel overseas. And they're not exactly sure where his travels took him or how he paid for any of this. Uh, There seemed to be some reports about how he made money in Bitcoin or something. Wouldn't that even... Everything about this story is like in our modern age, isn't it? Now, one of the goals of his bloodshed he said was to, quote, 
agitate the political enemies of my people into action, to cause them to overextend their own hand and experience the eventual and inevitable backlash as a result. He said he wanted to incite violence, retaliation, and further divide, end quote. And like I said, the manifesto kind of has typical white nationalist rhetoric, but there's also kind of like layers of like irony and like inside jokes, and that's how like the Candace Owen thing, and you can't really tell what is real and what he's just saying for shock value. Uh, however, he is definitely not a fan of Muslims. He refers to non-whites as invaders. And the author said he used guns instead of other weapons because he wanted the United States to tear itself apart arguing over gun laws. And yeah, this is the funny. All this happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, but all of it, all of the ensuing screaming at each other that everybody's doing seems to come back to America. You know what I mean? Like, And he wanted that. I guess he thought New Zealand was like too like a lost cause. I don't know. I don't know at all. Uh, the live stream video was first posted to the politics forum of 8chan. That is a notorious far-right website. I'd never heard of 8chan until this. I'd heard of 4chan, and apparently 8chan was spun off from 4chan because 4chan like wasn't extreme enough. I don't know. Um, yep, there's PewDiePie. They just wrote about that. Um, he did call. He referred to President Trump. He said, President Trump is a symbol of renewed white identity and common purpose. However, he mocked him as a policymaker and leader, calling him a failure on that. He railed against diversity, praising non-diverse nations like China, which he said most closely shared his political and social values. Yeah, remember Jack and I were exchanging screenshots of the manifesto, and he repeatedly referenced uh, China, and he called himself an eco-terrorist, actually, whatever the hell that means. Um, I'm, I have Now, I had this whole manifesto pulled up in front of me um, because, like I said, 75 pages of like craziness, and I'm not even going to read the whole thing. But you can find it on the internet, and he basically, he does like a Q&A with himself, like where he asks himself questions, like where he like the questions you would have if you were talking to him. And he talks about his radicalization, stuff like, you know, September 11th, some, a Swedish girl was killed by Muslims, and he said that was part of his awakening. Uh, like, for example, here's a question he asks himself. No, did you carry out the attack for fame? And he answers, quote, no, carrying out an attack for fame would be laughable. After all, who can remember the name of the attackers in the September 11th attack in New York? How about the attack on the Pentagon? I will be forgotten quickly, end quote. Um, another question asks, for how long did you plan this attack? And he answers, I begun planning this attack roughly two years in advance and decided on the attack at the location in Christ Church three months ago. Wow. And here's the firearms quote. Why did you choose to use firearms? He said, quote, I chose firearms for the effect that it would have on social discourse, the extra media coverage they would provide, and the effect it could have on the politics of the United States and thereby the political situation of the world. The U.S., he continues, is torn into many factions by its Second Amendment along state, social, cultural, and most importantly, 
racial lines. And yeah, this is it. You know, and I have to say, like, now every... You ever notice that after, like... Guys, we're all adults here, okay? So we should talk about this. This guy's another fucking loser. How many times have you been listening to this podcast for a long time have I pointed out? All these shooters, they're all the same guy. Whether motivated by white nationalism, whether motivated by Islamic extremism, or the incel, involuntary celibate ideology... It's all pretty much a single guy, loner, loser guy. It always has been. So we're going to talk about, and in plain terms, this, uh, you know, I, listen, this is like, I, you guys have heard me talk many, many times about borders and secure borders and all that stuff. All that is true. What I'm trying to do is persuade people. Just be, if you lose the argument, that doesn't give you license to like march into a mosque where people who never fucking did anything to you, women and children, and you just, and you fucking commit murder, heinous murders. It's horrifying. Um, and the Muslim community, though, is already like the, the activists in the U.S. who are already shady to begin with, like CARE, like the Council for American Islamic Relations, they're already using this to browbeat. And this is something that regrettably, Let's be honest, the Muslim activist community has a long history of doing. Anytime there's something against them, you use that to browbeat people into doing what they would desire politically. They do. They've done it all the time, and they're doing it now. And now it's considered conventional wisdom among Muslim activist circles that white nationalism is more of a threat than Islamic terrorism. (laughs) And I'm like, look, they're both bad. But let's fucking just pump the brakes a little bit there, okay, Chachi? The we we are in we are embarked right now. We we've, we've spent trillions and trillions of dollars in twenty years of a global war, and 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 enacted a massive intel apparatus domestically and foreign. All of this just to keep the Islamic insurgencies in check. All right, so calm down. Plus, you know those guys. There's like hundred. There's like millions and millions of Islamists all around the world, with many many sources of revenue, bank accounts, nation states who are friendly to them. The white nationals they don't have any of this. You don't see. They're all like loser guys. They're acting on their own now. Clearly, what we can see that single guy can cause a lot of damage. But to me, it's not the same thing. And just like they always do, the left wing is going to. Milk this to get desired policy positions. They're already starting. They want to take away your guns, and they want to take away your free speech rights. And I've told you guys, I've written about it many, many times. Remember when I wrote for Software Hub years ago? I said, knowing, I know that the, the trade-off of the Second Amendment in America is that every once in a while, some nut is going to go crazy with a gun. And I'm the only one who says this out loud. To me, it, to me, that, you know what? I'm sorry it happens. I wish it wouldn't happen. But we have freedoms in this country. So what are you going to do? And I've pointed out many times, if a guy like, a guy could be normal for 50 years, like Stephen Paddock, right? Has no criminal record or anything, and then he just decides to kill a bunch of people. So that's part of freedom. And I guarantee you, Kiwis, once you give up that freedom, if they enact harsh firearms measures, you are never getting that freedom back. I'll tell you that right now. Never. Uh, let us go to some of those gun laws. The country is much freer than firearms than Australia is, as I said, allowing most guns to be purchased without requiring them to be tracked. 
Uh, one person said New Zealand is almost alone with the United States in not registering 96% of its firearms, and those are its most common firearms. There are huge gaps in New Zealand law, even if the laws are strong. Now, uh, it, I mentioned that Australia case earlier. That was the gunman who killed 35 people in Port Arthur, Tasmania in 1996, and that's when they basically took took everybody's guns away. Now, semi-automatic rifles and handguns in New Zealand require special licenses. A person can only buy one semi-automatic weapon at a time. The police will look hard at you if you want four or five of them, said an anti-gun guy, of course. But it is possible to obtain a large cache of weapons, either by acting alone or if more than one person is purchasing. Okay, well, that would be a felony in the United States. So I find that hard to believe that's not a felony. That's called a straw purchase. You can't do that. Any person age 16 or older with an entry-level firearms license can keep any number of common rifles and shotguns without an official record of those guns being kept. I don't know what common rifle means. You can sell guns on the internet or through ads in newspapers. And the most popular types of firearms can lawfully change hands in private homes or even hotel parking lots with no requirement that a record of the transaction be kept. Now, it's last uh, New Zealand has been pretty safe, though. Its last mass shooting, which left 13 people dead, was in 1990, and that led to tighter rules around semi-automatic weapons. Now, New Zealand's gun culture is significantly ingrained, uh, like the United States, like Australia, like Canada. You know, they've kind of got that frontier history. Just like we do with the Wild Wild West. And that led to a proliferation of guns used for sport, for protecting wide open spaces from animals, and for dealing with problems like wounded cattle or trespassers. Of the 3.9 million New Zealanders of gun licensing age, 238,000 of them, or 6%, do have a firearm license. Okay, so let us listen to the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, as she talks about how the gun laws must change. Oh, here we go. Let me just pull this up. Here. I'm advised that there were five guns used by the primary perpetrator. There were two semi-automatic weapons and two shotguns. The offender was in possession of a gun license. I'm advised that this was acquired in November of 2017. A lever-action firearm was also found. While work is being done as to the chain of events that led to both the holding of this gun license and the possession of these weapons, I can tell you one thing right now. Our gun laws will change. There have been attempts to change our laws in 2005, 2012, and after an inquiry in 2017. Now is the time for change. Well, that might be a little bit harder than you think, as I just went over with that attitude. And, uh, you know, now, first, we should note that at the second mosque, apparently the shooter was deterred by an armed member of the congregation with his own gun, which is fucking right on. That's how you should do it. So you're going to take away that guy's gun, too? Uh, now, there was some other, a lot of stuff, like I said, this has been wildly reverberating around. You know what? <laughs> 
guys, just on a side note, you ever notice like after an Islamic terrorist attack, like everybody immediately is like, you know, shouting out to their Muslim friends, I love you and I, I'm here for you and protecting them. You know, like the chick who rode the bus with one of them. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that news story. I mean, what now I'm looking on the internet of all the of all the liberals on Twitter, and basically it's it's the opposite. One white guy does something, and they're all they're calling for basically the white people to be put to death. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I'm just like, dude, when fucking that Ariana Grande concert got blown to smithereens, like everybody was like, oh, my Muslim friends. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Uh, just a side note on that. Now, uh, Chelsea Clinton, I don't know if you guys saw that video. She decided to pop by a vigil at New York University. And a student started blasting her because she said Chelsea Clinton is kind of responsible for this because Chelsea Clinton, remember the uh, Ilan Omar controversy, the anti-Semitism stuff? Chelsea Clinton spoke out about that. So these students were very upset with Chelsea Clinton and basically implied that it's because of rhetoric like hers that this happened. Uh, so Chelsea Clinton is pregnant with her third child, and she just kept apologizing to these students. Um, as I tell you guys over and over, you are never woke enough, okay? How many fucking times do I have to tell you this? I'm sorry, D. I know. You told me I curse too much. I know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I do have the clip here, so let's listen to a little bit of Chelsea Clinton getting berated here. This right here is the result of a massacre stoked by people like you and the words that you put out into the world. And I want you to know that, and I want you to feel that deep inside. 49 people died because of the rhetoric that you put out there. I don't think... What I don't does, think I'm sorry, you feel that we mean? What does that mean? Uh, okay, so Chelsea is basically standing there, and you got to... I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're a public figure. You're going to go off in this... Did you guys hear the snapping? Did you guys hear that? Yeah, that's like an SJW thing. Instead of clapping, because apparently clapping can be too triggering for some people. I'm not making this up, you guys. You think I make this shit up, don't you? Yeah, instead of clapping, they snap their fingers. <laughs> you know, dude, it's insane. Uh, now, they're saying a little bit more about this manifesto. They're saying that the uh, manifesto uh, is kind of sort of similar to the one that was written by the Nor Norwegian right-wing extremist. Remember that guy who killed 77 people in 2011? Yeah, that was uh, Anders Breivik. Yeah, 2011. You know, interestingly enough, you guys remember how like the, the, the maximum sentence in Sweden is only like 25 years or something. So that guy's going to, you know, he's going to be out. He'll still be fairly young, that Andres guy. But, wow, I didn't know this. Breivik's manifesto? His manifesto was 1,500 pages. Jesus. Oh, man. Pretty crazy. I don't know, guys. Crazy world out there. And uh, I don't know what the uh, answer is. This will just keep going. Cause this And this guy... He's going to succeed. Uh, we see it on, I commented on my man, my man's Instagram this morning, uh, Operators Fuck Nation, OAF Nation, and I was, like, basically in his, he posted a story about this, and everybody was screaming at each other in the comments. 
And I was just like, you guys are doing exactly what he fucking wanted you to do. So congratulations. You've all been played. Look at you. You know, it was like all the, was all the, uh, the liberals screaming at the conservatives and conservatives screaming at the liberals. And it's like, there's no end to this. This will just keep going on and on. And it'll, I'm sure ISIS has already vowed retaliation. So I'm sure that'll be coming up any day now. What a world, man. Let us move on. That's the shooting. That's what we know so far. Oh, uh, the, the I did note that the guy did appear in court, and New Zealand does not have the death penalty. Don't you wish you had a death penalty now, Kiwis? He appeared in court, and I did see how he used the OK sign. You know, that originally started as a joke, and now these, these guys are actually using it to try to make the OK symbol a white supremacist symbol. Well, I guess it is for him now, right? I'm not giving up the okay sign. Just because some fuckface uses the okay sign for his fucking kooky white nationalist beliefs, don't put that on me, all right? I'm going to use the okay sign. Okay, let's move on to more news. I got a ton of stuff to get to you guys. I mean, I'd like, I could talk about that shooting all day, but realistically, what is there to say? You know, nobody's there. They're dead. They're not coming back. It's terrible. Let's talk about the airline situation. This was also big in the news. Investigators at the crash site of the doomed Ethiopian Airlines flight have found new evidence that points to another connection in the earlier disaster involving the same Boeing jet. Now, you guys are aware by now that the Boeing 737 MAX 8 jet has been grounded pretty much worldwide. The United States was one of the last people to do it. But they have evidence that a piece of that jet that crashed in Ethiopia last weekend that killed 157 people uh, suggests that the plane's stabilizers were tilted upward. Now, at that angle, the stabilizers would have forced down the nose of the jet, which is a similarity with the Lion Air crash last October, and that was of also a Boeing 737 MAX 8. So yes, they did ground the 737 MAX, and the Federal Aviation Administration said it had found physical evidence from the Ethiopian crash that suggested those similarities. Now, Boeing has been racing to finish a software update for that 737 MAX aircraft, and they claim that their update will modify features of the jet around the automated system that investigators have suggested might have played a role in the Lion Air crash. Well, and that Lion Air crash, remember, that was the one that killed 189 people. Now, in that disaster, the automated system, possibly based on faulty sensor readings, may have repeatedly pushed the nose of the plane down, creating a struggle between the new flight control system and the pilots. And, guys, uh, plane crashes freak me out, man. Imagine being in a jet in a modern airliner with like hundreds of people and you're going down and everybody looks outside and sees it happening. I mean, what, what are those few desperate last seconds like? What do you do? It's insane. Now, apparently, the captain of that Ethiopian Airlines jetliner did realize he had an emergency almost immediately after takeoff when they took off from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And he requested permission in a panicky voice to return after three minutes as the aircraft accelerated to abnormal speed, said a person who reviewed air traffic communications on Thursday. 
the captain told air traffic controllers, quote, break, break, request back to home, request vector for landing, end quote, as the controllers scrambled to divert two other flights approaching the airport. And they said, the, the uh, air traffic controllers, they observed that the aircraft was oscillating up and down by hundreds of feet at a time. So it's alternatively like plunging to the earth and then nose up into the sky. And that's clearly a sign that something is going very badly wrong. So all contact was lost between the controllers and the aircraft five minutes after it took off, just almost immediately. Yeah, it's really sad. I, I saw one guy was like an army captain. And he was basically on leave to go do, like, some Christian charity work over there. Just awful. So, uh, yeah, in response, those are grounded, and we'll see what comes of that. Let's turn to Trump issuing—he did issue his first veto, rejecting legislation to overturn his declaration of a national emergency to fund a wall along the southwestern border— the bill had attracted significant Republican support in Congress, a rare and notable departure from partisan solidarity. And he said, today I am vetoing this resolution. Congress has the freedom to pass this resolution. I have a duty to veto it. Uh, the president called the resolution dangerous, reckless, and a vote against reality. Now, the veto, which was expected, will send the legislation back to Congress, which almost certainly does not have enough votes for an override, which means his declaration will remain in effect. All right, well, there you go. The old emergency declaration. That, uh, the shooting in Christchurch uh, kind of like pushed this one off the pages a little bit, but we had another mass shooting in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And at least five students were killed in Brazil on Wednesday when two assailants, who were both former students, they broke into a school and opened fire. And the attackers also killed two employees of that school, which was called Professor Raul Brazil School in Sao Paulo, and injured at least nine other students. And the police said the assailants fatally shot the owner of a nearby car rental outlet on the way to the school, and following the rampage, the attackers killed themselves. And the police said the students killed were all about 15 years old. Uh, the president, Jair Bolsonaro, expressed his condolences on Twitter. And the police identified the assailants as Luis Henrique de Castro, 25 years old, and Guilherme Tauchi Montero, seven, only 17, who, were in, who was enrolled as recently as last year. They're still looking for possible motives on that. Yeah. I know it sometimes seems like you guys like shit's like breaking loose all over the place, but let's let's not let's keep in perspective. You guys know I like to mock the uh mock people who are constantly handering about how things are so much worse now. They they aren't, okay? We just have a lot more information. You're being bombarded with information from all over the globe in real time now. We we never had this. For thousands of years of human history, we never had this information until, what, 20 years ago? It's, in some way, it's like more than our primitive brains can take, I think. It's just massive, overwhelming global information. Constantly. Never stops. So just take the news with a grain of salt, is my point. 
How about this one? Officials in Northern Ireland said on Thursday that one former British soldier would be prosecuted on murder charges in connection with the massacre of unarmed civilians by British forces nearly 50 years ago in Londonderry, an event that came to be known famously as Bloody Sunday. Now, this former soldier, identified only as Soldier F, Soldier Foxtrot, will be charged in the killings of James Ray and William McKinney and with the attempted murder of four others, 18 others, including 16 former British soldiers and two nationalist gunmen said to have fired shots that day, will not be prosecuted on the grounds that there was insufficient evidence to provide a reasonable chance of conviction. That was on January 30, 1972, and became one of the main flashpoints in what they refer to as the Troubles, which is, of course, the 30-year struggle over the status of Northern Ireland that has claimed at least 3,500 lives. So, who is this cat? Do they say anything about this soldier foxtrot? Uh, no, they basically said they don't, they don't have any evidence, but they do say they clearly have evidence for this one guy, which I'm very curious about this. Now, in case you don't know what happened, 13 people were killed on that date on Bloody Sunday when British soldiers opened fire after unrest broke out at a protest march. Within weeks of those shootings, the British Prime Minister imposed direct British rule, which lasted until the 1998 Good Friday Peace Agreement, which set out the complex power-sharing arrangements for Northern Ireland. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I, I, I knew of the Troubles, and I know it has something to do with Protestants versus Catholics and something to do with Irish sovereignty and England. And outside that, I'm pretty ignorant on the whole thing. So I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about it because I don't. But we'll see what happens. They're going to fight that in court, though. Now, again, if you watch the news, you would think that terrible things are happening all the time. And they are, but they always have been, as I just pointed out. We just know a lot more about it now. And here's something else shitty that happened. There is outrage mounting at government officials in Nigeria on Thursday over a deadly school building collapse and what they're calling a shoddy rescue effort that followed. Now, at least eight people were killed when the three-story building that housed the Owen Nursery and Primary School pancaked into the ground about 10 a.m. Wednesday. It had been marked for demolition months before it collapsed with dozens of people inside, some of them toddlers. The authorities called off the frantic search for survivors early Thursday, a couple days ago, after more than 35 people had been pulled from the slabs of concrete. Uh, so this structure was on Lagos Island. It's an area of Africa's uh, largest city. Is Lagos, Nigeria, is Africa's largest city, huh? I didn't know that. And it's known for its poor urban planning. Many of the buildings there have been marked for demolition. And although the building that housed the school is one of them, it was renovated about a year ago, and a coat of paint was added. Uh, but they did complain about low-quality construction on that. Now, on Thursday, people who lived near the school expressed outrage at the rescue effort, complaining in particular that it took crews more than an hour to show up. Once the effort began, rescuers told of shortages of water and oxygen masks. Hmm. Man, 
you know, I, guys, one of my big things is the rule of law. And in, in that, you know, I'm always so thankful to live in America where, you know, and I don't know what happened in Nigeria if this merit, if this criticism has merit, but, you know, just the fact that you, just the fact that in America you can call 911 and someone's going to show up pretty fast and then not, you know, make you give them a bribe before doing anything. Don't fucking take that for granted. Because that is not the case all over the world. I'll tell you that. Just the stuff we take for granted alone is, is, uh, it, it, is it is pretty crazy. Now, uh, let's uh, turn to the military here for a minute. I ha- wanted to say this story with my, uh, my girl, Christina Wong, wrote a great story about a special forces group. And the Pentagon Inspector General is investigating allegations that a two-star Army general is retaliating against active-duty Green Beret instructors under his command who have voiced concerns over his lowering of standards for Green Beret candidates. Yep, the allegations involve Army Major General Kurt Sontag, who is commanding general of the U.S. Army John F. Kennedy Special Warfare School and Center, where Green Berets are selected, trained, and graduated. I myself, your humble podcast host, has several certificates from the U.S. Army John F. Kennedy Special Warfare School. I'm very proud of that. Now, Breitbart News, which Christina writes for, spoke with more than a half dozen current and former Green Beret instructors and several others in the Green Beret community whose firsthand accounts paint an alarming picture of an American general gone rogue a hostile command climate where soldiers are fearful of retribution for speaking out, and a total breakdown of unit morale. Uh, They say standards at the school's prestigious qualification course, also known as the Green Beret Q course, began to dramatically slide after Sontag took command in May 2017. For example, they have specific concrete examples, which makes me always kind of believe it more. They said a student could no longer fail the course for not passing any physical standard or test. Do you fucking believe this? Before, failing to pass two separate times would have resulted in being kicked out of the course. That's pretty standard in the military, at least in the special operations world. If you fail an event, you get an, you get some training, you get another crack at it. If you fail that next if you fail the same event again, usually you're out, you're set back, you got to start from the beginning, whatever it is. That's kind of standard. So now you you don't have to you don't have to pass a single PT test and you can still be a green beret. Jeez. Because these students are increasingly being passed by a relief board or the training group commander. Now, also, the other big one was land navigation, which is notoriously it's difficult, first of all, I can tell you. I had to do the land nav myself. It's hard, it's not easy. And they decided to no longer make that a pass or fail event at the Q course. It was turned into a practical exercise. Cadre said that was where most Green Beret candidates would fail in the past. Uh, They also said the course was restructured so that students could not fail the language portion. Previously, of course, Green Beret students had to pass a language portion before receiving their Green Beret. Now students can receive their Green Beret before passing it on a conditional basis and are allowed to retake the language portion as many times as they need in order to pass it. And then there's the ethical problems. And these are hard to believe, you guys. Several Green Berets were called a party in the summer of 2017 at which a student pulled a knife on one of the cadre. 
despite the incident being reported to higher command, it was dismissed as a personal incident, and the student was allowed to continue the course. Okay, can I tell first of all, what are cadre and students doing at the same party? That's a fucking no-go. <laughs> I can just tell you. Look, I remember being at PJ school. It's the very last course. It's like a seven-month course. It's the very last one of the whole pipeline before you graduate, okay? At the end of this course, you graduate. They call it like PJU or the apprentice course, whatever you want to call it. And I remember... Uh, we were pretty close to graduating, like a couple weeks away, and we went to a bar in downtown Albuquerque, and one of our instructors was actually filling in as like uh, one of the security guys, <laughs> and we walked in there, and I'm like sitting at the counter waiting for a beer, and he walks up, he's like, why don't you guys fucking get out of here, <laughs> and I was like, you got it, <laughs> I was like, yo, we're bouncing now. Like, it just, how does that, that just does not happen. The two should not mix ever on a social basis. And then if they did, and this this is true, what happened, how could you not be immediately dismissed? And an especially notorious incident also in the fall of 2017, a student killed his entire fictional local guerrilla force he was supposed to train during the Green Beret culminating exercise known as Robin Sage. That is a disastrous outcome, obviously. Cadre pulled the student from the exercise. However, commanders allowed him to graduate over the, ex over the objection of the training cadre. Man, Christina's got great detail in here. Uh, oh, man, no way. They said students leaving the course voluntarily and even involuntarily are being personally called and asked if they would like to come back and finish. <laughs> so if you quit, you've got Green Beret staff calling you up and begging you to come back. Guys, this is unbelievable. And this is because Sontag, I, I, I don't have any proof of this, but I'm just saying he wants to get a chick in there. That's the only reason for any of this, you guys. It's fucking clear as day to me. Why? What? Give me another logical explanation why you would dilute standards this badly, especially the physical one. Why else would you? Unbelievable. And it's tough. It's, I feel bad for the cadre because, you know, these are those guys go back to the teams, the instructors. So now they get to see the shitbag student that they didn't want and they wanted to kick out, and they now this guy shows up at their unit a couple of years later? Man. And the general also, of course, punished cadre. He punished instructors whose students were fail. In August 2017, he launched an investigation into a group of eight instructors after 18 students failed a 12-mile ruck march. And the instructors said, yo, they didn't have what it takes. They didn't prepare for it. They know what they came here for. But they investigated this for three months, and during that, the cadre could not be promoted move to their next assignment or eligible for any awards. It was retribution for having so many students fail the march. Jeez. Oh, this one's good too. Man, you guys, I'm not going to read this. You should go read the whole article. Listen to this one. In October 2017, one instructor asked his students to show up for physical training the Thursday before a four-day weekend. When only three students showed up out of 40, he called another mandatory training session that weekend. Two hours later, he was fired. I can't even fathom not showing up for a formation in a school setting where you're being selected. It, I, it doesn't even register in my mind. Wow. Oh, great job, Christina. Guys, go read the whole article. It's at Breitbart.com. Excellent article, Christina.
All right, I'm, I, I got to tell you guys, I'm pretty depressed. So, as per usual, I need something to cheer myself up when I get depressed. Why don't we try to unpack this headline? You ready for this one? Argentine doctor is arrested for masturbating on a 27-year-old patient's back while performing an ultrasound on her genitals. He is behind bars. This was in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And Dr. Ezequiel Fernandez Bugin, 33 years old, was taken into custody. And they say the 27-year-old woman was visiting a uh, medical diagnostic, diagnostic imaging center, right? When she noticed Dr. Bugin, Buggin, Bugin, he is Buggin, isn't he? That's your name, Dr. Buggin. She noticed Dr. Buggin making strange movements, according to the local news outlet. And when she turned around, she claims the physician was masturbating. And she said when she touched her back, she discovered that Dr. Buggin had ejaculated on her back. She confronted him and rushed out of the room before calling 911, or whatever they call it. Cops arrived there, did arrest the doctor. And law enforcement officials uh, requested that she turn in her clothes for further investigation. You know, honestly, Doc, that's the, you know, the one rule. You can't break. You can't, you can't ejaculate on your patients. I'm not sure. Do, they, do you think they cover that in med, med school? Maybe should that be day one or should it maybe be like the very last thing they tell you before they hand you your diploma? You know? Like, congratulations, Dr. BK, you made it. Three years of medical school, four years as a resident. Now you're a full-on doctor. Here's your diploma, congratulations, and don't jizz on anyone's back. Is kind of how it should go, right? Oh, what else? Okay, let's switch into some politics, you guys. Man, my man. My man, Robert O'Rourke. Boy, he's already made a splash, hasn't he? Hasn't he? So... So Robert O'Rourke, who is seen as quite woke, okay, you need to know that about him, he did announce he would run for president in 2020, joining a crowded field. Well, he's already, he's already being shit on for a couple reasons. First of all, he joked on a campaign trail that his wife Amy had raised their three kids, sometimes with my help, is the joke. And because we live in a stupid society, everybody piled on him for that. You know, can we stop piling on guys for the stupid shit they say? And let's pile on them for their stupid ideas and their stupid votes. Can we do more of that? See, the implication is that, you know, he did none of the work and his wife made, you know, he made his wife do all the work. So that's what everybody was upset about. So, yeah, he's already made a splash. And the other thing that was funny about O'Rourke was, uh, he was he was caught by his Spanish language website. When you when you click on his website, and I did check this, I did go see. You guys know me; I don't take anybody's word for it. I go check. So his campaign website, right on the splashed across, it says "Beto for America." Right. Well, if you click on the "En Español" tab to get the Spanish language version. It says Beto para todos, which means Beto for everyone. See? So, so that's, you know, what a slap in the face to 
Hispanic Americans, many of whose families have been here for like hundreds of years. What a slap in the face. Beto doesn't think you'd react well to being called an American. Latinos of Texas. This fucking guy. Honestly, I told somebody earlier, I was like, I would rather have crazy Bernie Sanders 10 times out of 10 than this nut. He's just so pompous, and he thinks he's like the shit. He just acts really weird. And some of the weird stuff he's done, for example, is he was a, he had a, the Reuters put out that he had a membership in America's oldest hacking group, for one thing. Yeah, that's right. He was a member of a group called the Cult of the Dead Cow. And it's jokingly named after an abandoned Texas slaughterhouse. Well, it's notorious for releasing tools that allowed ordinary people to hack computers running Microsoft's Windows. It's also known for inventing the word hacktivism to describe human rights-driven security work. That's funny. Yeah, they did acknowledge him as one of their own. Now, in celebration of that, he did... He decided... I have to tell you that because, like I said, you got the cow thing, right? The name of the hacktivist collective. Well, young Beto O'Rourke wrote a poem. And you guys know what happens if there's a poetry story, I'm fucking reciting poetry. That's the way it is. So this might take a minute and a half or so to go all the way through this. But this is no practice, you guys. This is take one, okay? You guys know how we do it. This is two and a half hours, no breaks, no editing outside of a technical problem. So I don't like practice this shit. This is take one of Beto O'Rourke's poem called The Song of the Cow. And it begins like this. I need a butt shine right now. You are holy, O sacred cow. I thirst for you. Provide milk, Buff my balls, love the cow, good fortune for those that do, love me. Breathe my feet, the cow has risen, wax my ass, scrub my balls, the cow has risen. Provide milk, oh milky wonder, sing for us once more. Live your life, everlasting joy, thrust your hooves up my analytic passage, enjoy my fruits. Provider of cheese and other wonderful dairy products. We will cleanse your inner intestines. We will bathe in your pungent odor. Gather cotton. Count my eyes. Smell my skin. Love the scarecrow and the milkman. I live only for eternity. Thirst for the undrinkable. Hold the heat. Praise the doughboy at the pizza shop. Love the oxen dung. There you go. That's your poetry slam reading. I promised you guys on Twitter. There you go. Uh, I don't know. I'm not feeling it, but maybe uh, maybe if I read it like about six, seven dozen more times, I'll get into it. Now, that's not the only thing he wrote <laughs> either, this guy. He once wrote a murder fantasy short story about running over two children with a car which is ironic because years later he would be arrested for leaving the scene of a DUI. Uh, he was only 15. Uh, guy, look, I'm just goofing on the guy. I'm not saying this should be disqualifying or anything, okay? Like, you guys know me. Big free speech guy, and trust me, we've all done dumbass shit when we were kids. 
So I'm not like howling at him. I'm just yeah, I'm just giving him some shit. All right. So calm down. Yeah, he wrote that murder fantasy again. This was um, you know part of that report about the cult of the dead cow. And he wrote stories under the name Psychedelic Warlord. Uh, I should have mentioned that poem I read was written under the name Psychedelic Warlord. And he had another piece that detailed the narrator's murder spree as part of his goal seeking the termination of everything that was free and loving. The piece described the first kill as the murder of two children crossing the street. <laughs> Fox News is a long excerpt of it. Oh, man. Oh, another thing he wrote, he took on a self-proclaimed neo-Nazi who maintained that Hitler was misunderstood and didn't personally want Jews killed. O'Rourke and a Jewish friend questioned the man about his theories and let him ramble about Jews and African Americans as an attempt to let him hang himself with his own words. I was just going to ask myself, is this really? Did this really happen? Uh, it goes on to say, it's unclear whether this piece reflected a real interview or was fictional. So, uh, Jimmy Fallon did actually imitate Beto O'Rourke. So, let's uh, hear Jimmy Fallon. This is mocking his campaign announcement. Here we go. Here's Jimmy Fallon. I'm Beto O'Rourke, and I'm excited. That's it. I'm just excited. Oh, yeah. I'm also running for president of the United States. I love the United States, and I love running. In fact, I literally just ran eight miles to get here. Folks often say to me, we don't know much about you, Beto. We know you ran against Ted Cruz in Texas. We know you're hot. And then usually the hot thing comes up again. But who's the real Beto O'Rourke? Well, I'm sort of like if a compassionate head nod turned into a person. Because the truth is, I care. I care so much. When I eat salads, I thank every individual leaf for its sacrifice. When I donate blood, I don't let them stop until last possible second. Um. God, this country's great. Anyway, the question I get most is, can you actually beat Donald Trump? And the answer is, heck yeah. I was born to do this. I'm like if your friend's hot dad had the energy of a golden retriever. <laughs> Thanks, Evelyn. God, I feel so passionate right now. I love America. I love democracy. I love air. <clears throat> All right, that's Jimmy Fallon. He's waving his arms frantically as he talks, which is uh, something that Beto likes to do. And actually, uh, Trump weighed in on Beto's hand movement in part of his press conference. Here he is. Well, I think he's got a lot of hand movement. I've never seen so much hand movement. I said, is he crazy or is that just the way he acts? So uh, I've never seen hand movement. I watched him a little while this morning doing, I assume it was some kind of a news conference. Uh, and I've actually never seen anything quite like it. Study it. I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> Oh, guys, I am fucking so fired up for 2020. I can't wait. I mean, it's already happening, but I mean to, to really get into it. I like, I can't wait. This is going to be so entertaining watching the Democrats like try to outwoke each other. God, it's so great, you guys. What a great, this is a great time to be alive. Don't listen to any of these like, you know, doomsayers. Uh, and we had a couple other presidential candidates weigh in. Uh, Howard Schultz said he would not nominate a Supreme Court justice unless he or she could be confirmed by two-thirds of the United States Senate. I'm like, oh, okay, then never? Because those days are over, Howard. Here we go. nominate a Supreme Court justice unless he or she could be confirmed by two-thirds, two-thirds of the United States Senate. Okay, so The never. courts have become yet another battlefield in the ongoing war 
between Democratic and Republican leaders. That's not how our democracy should work. Okay, see, this guy is like, I don't know if he's playing a part or if he's really that dumb. Like, hey, hey, buddy, this isn't Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill fucking getting off at work after arguing all day and going to knock back a few cold ones. Okay, those days are over. All right, Democrats see the Republicans as the enemy, and the Republicans see the Democrats as the enemy, and they're going to go against them with everything they have on every front. And that's been it's the way it's been now for a significant number of years. I don't know what this guy's thinking. Now, also funny, was Democratic presidential candidate, uh, candidate Andrew Yang gotten some hot water? He's a lesser-known candidate, but he's become very meme, uh, memeable. Uh, because he was the guy who said, hey, basically, I want to give everybody a thousand bucks, like straight by your vote, right? Well, he was, he was actually getting, like I said, don't underestimate the meme power, you guys, I'm telling you. It, this is what, how do you think Trump got elected? I really believe that it's no, it's no different than propaganda, effective propaganda. That's what a meme is, right? So Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang decided to uh, talk about how White people want to mass murder groups of Asians. I know. It kind of came out of nowhere. Let's hear well, it goes. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Andrew Yang. I'm running for president of the United States in 2020 as a Democrat. Uh, so now that I'm running for president, like I've learned more about the Asian American place in society. Yes. Uh, and one thing that scares the heck out of me is that this country is heading towards becoming majority-minority by 2045, right. that's 27 years from now. Yes. Uh, and so there's a very happy notion in some quarters that the country will just become more tolerant as it gets more diverse. I never you said that. You just figure the math will take care of it because if you have enough people, everyone will just have to get along. Unfortunately, that is not really the way things play out if you look at historical examples. Uh, there are very, very few examples in human history of a dominant racial or ethnic group giving up its dominance over time. That actually is not normal. That's not normal behavior. No, um, only white liberals do that. so if you look at what's happening right now in this country, you can see an increasingly insecure white majority becoming more and more hostile, truly. Uh, and who is going to be the boogeyman of the next 10 to 20 years? Who's going to be the great rival to the United States in the eyes of American society? China, that's right. And so what do you think the attitude is going to be over time for the shrinking, insecure white majority that's losing their jobs for, let's say, Chinese Americans or Asian Americans? I, I don't, I'm like, I personally, I said to a group at Harvard, I think we're one generation away from falling into the same camps as the Jews who were attacked in the synagogue in Pittsburgh like uh, just a couple months ago. It's like we're probably one generation away from Americans shooting up a bunch of Asians saying like, you know, damn the Chinese because there, there's a giant Cold War or even more with <laughs> okay. China. All right, calm down, guy. Oh, man. Everybody wants to be a victim, don't they? Old Yang, the Yangster. Yeah, there's some great... If you guys follow me on Twitter, I posted up some of the better, uh, the funnier uh, Yang memes, which are numerous. So, yeah, any, do I have any other political clips here? Um, yeah, I had a few, but uh, I have a few others, but I'll get to them in a minute. Because what I want to get to, very excited to talk about this, is my stupid governor. 
Gavin Newsom, who did announce a moratorium on capital punishment on Wednesday, granting a temporary reprieve for the 737 inmates on the state's death row. That is the largest in the Western Hemisphere, our death row. Now, this move is highly symbolic because legal challenges have already stalled executions in California. Our last execution was in 2006. Uh, he is a longtime opponent of capital punishment. Now, this is this fucking argument kills me, you guys. Okay, here, he does the same thing all SJWs do. What they do is they throw up roadblocks and then complain that there are roadblocks in place. I, I, that's what they do. Here's what he says. He cites the death penalty's high cost. <laughs> it's only expensive because you have allowed them to have multiple never-ending appeals over many decades, fool. I'll tell you what. I can illuminate that high cost tomorrow. California just passed last election a ballot proposition that would mandate all appeals for the death penalty be exhausted within 10 years. That's right. Even in hippie California, not only did we vote to keep the death penalty in one in the same election, we voted to A, keep the death penalty because it was a straight up poll question like, shall we get rid of the death penalty? That was rejected. And in the same election, we voted to have a mandatory less than 10 years execution. They voted to speed it up. I know, we went against the grain on that, our, our hippie reputation. But yes, and Gavin Newsom, all of a sudden, guys, boy, I, it's boy, the national media who crushes Trump 17 hours a day for his you know, uh, flaunting of the constitutional norms and his power seizures. Boy, they're really quiet on a government who just, a governor who just subverted the will of 40 million Californians, aren't they? Real quiet. And here we go. Like the New York Times writes right now, supporters of capital punishment said the move went against the will of the state's residents. California voters have rejected an initiative to abolish the death penalty. And in 2016, they did approve Proposition 66 to help speed it up. Now, it was narrowly approved, but that's the fucking way the cookie crumbles. You guys know me. Whoever gets the most votes wins. You won. Uh, so even former governor Jerry Brown resisted calls to commute California's death sentences before he left office in January. You guys who've been listening to this podcast for a long time, remember how I told you once Jerry Brown was gone, we're going to look back at that as the good old days. Cause even crazy Jerry had some qualms about some of the more left wing stuff. He did. He really did. He was actually not bad on some of that stuff, but freaking Gavin Newsom. I told you Gavin Newsom was going to make Jerry Brown look like a right wing nut job. I told you. Uh, so obviously the death penalty has been controversial for a long time. And, uh, Trump did say on Twitter, he did tweet it out and Trump wrote, quote, defying voters, the governor of California will halt all death penalty executions of 737 cold killers, friends and families of the always forgotten victims, all caps are not thrilled. And neither am I, end quote. Yeah, you know, this is guys, this, this is this is a travesty. I don't have any sympathy. And every time one of your SJW friends says start if they talk about this subject and say, "Well, you know, there could possibly be innocent people on California death row." You fucking challenge them on that. Say like who? Like who? Even Jerry Brown was like there are no innocent people sitting on death row. He said that. But Gavin Newsom the way he talks will make you think, gosh, all these 
37 cases. Man, they're so vague and up in the air. So vague, you guys. Now, an executive order signed on Wednesday does three things. It grants reprieves to inmates currently on death row. They will still be under a death sentence, but not at risk of execution. The second thing it does is close the execution chamber at San Quentin Prison. The third thing it does is withdraws the state's lethal injection protocol. That is the formally approved procedure for carrying out executions. Supporters of the death penalty did predict legal challenges to any moratorium. Uh, Mike Michelle Hannessy, the president of the Association of Deputy District Attorneys in Los Angeles, said that reprieves for condemned inmates would be, in effect, invalidating the law that California voters have repeatedly affirmed. I, hey, you know what? You get This guy won the election. I freaking told you guys he was going to be a total disaster. But what'd you do? You think he's like so cool and junk. So you voted for him. Unreal. And he's claiming Newsom that voters were well aware that he opposed capital punishment when they elected him. Yeah, but there's also plenty of clips, I don't have one on me right now, where he said, hey, I will not let my personal feelings get in the way of carrying out the law and my duly uh, elected duties as governor of California. He said that multiple times. I will not let my feelings get in the way. He lied. He's a big fat liar. So let's listen to dopey Gavin Newsom talking. He thinks he's quite woke for this. The office after a long day um, where we signed an executive order uh, to put a moratorium in effect in California to end the death penalty as we know it. We have 737 people on death row more than any other state in the nation. So more than anyone in the Western Hemisphere uh, twice uh, the rate of folks on death row than even a state like Florida. The fact is 25 people have cleared their appeals. Uh, we're moving forward to the adjudication of uh, the uh, protocol for injections, meaning that the cocktail Listen protocol. This gibberish. Uh, all of this is coming sooner than I had anticipated, candidly, when I took the oath of office just a few months back. And so the moratorium is in effect uh, immediately. We shut down today uh, the death chamber uh, at uh, San Quentin. Uh, it's the gas chamber uh, and where we inject, uh, which is just in and of itself. There, there's an eeriness, humbly, uh, to seeing the gas chamber being closed uh, by this executive order. I think that's long overdue. It's a moral issue uh, for me. Uh, it's an issue of justice. Uh, it's an equal uh, justice issue for me. African-Americans, Latinos, people without means often treated very differently than folks. Okay, so let's parse this a little bit. At the beginning, when he said, like, a bunch of people's cases have cleared, what he mean? here's the here's the real issue, because this lethal injection case that I mentioned earlier, the uh, there, there's been a long debate, and that's why they stopped executions to resolve it, right? Well, it's becoming resolved, and the court is cleared to say, like, okay, you can start executing again. We've cleared this up. And Gavin Newsom knows that once they do that, he's got to fucking execute, like, 25 people. And he doesn't have the stones to do it. That's what it is. Oh, and I love how he brings up Latinos. What, you don't think they're, you don't think these guys sitting on death row have any Latino victims? You don't think they have any African-American victims? What about those Latinos, Gavin? What about those Latinos and African-Americans who had their family members raped and murdered? Oh, let's just go through a few. If you go to Wikipedia, you guys, you can absolutely see all 737 people sitting on death row. 
Oh, yeah. There's a lot. There's Lawrence Bittaker. He's a serial killer. He killed five teenage girls. He's been on death row for 38 freaking years. Uh, he did torture them also. Of course, my man, who I've been blasting Gavin Newsom's Twitter account with, Luis Bracamontes, covered here on the podcast. Remember him? He was the guy who was, he was the illegal alien who murdered two California police officers and then laughed as giggled his way through court, famously saying, I don't give a shit that I killed those. The, my only regret is that I, that I didn't get to kill more. Is his case in doubt, Gavin? Do you lay awake at night, Gavin Newsom, thinking about poor Luis Bracamontes? Oh, maybe you care. Maybe you lay awake thinking about Vincent Brothers, who drove from Columbus, Ohio to Bakersfield, California, nonstop, murdered his wife, mother-in-law, and three children, and then flew back to to Columbus and acted like he didn't know what happened. Or Albert Greenwood Brown. Yeah, he was convicted for the abduction, rape, and murder of 15-year-old Susan Jordan on her way to school. He dragged her into the woods, strangled her with a shoelace, and raped her. And then he called her mom up, taunting her by saying, Hello, Mrs. Jordan. Susie isn't home from school yet, is she? You will never see your daughter again. You can find her body on the corner of Victoria and Gibson. That's right, he taunted her. Oh, God, you guys, I could go I could go all the way down this list. We got Doug Clark, seven female victims, rape, murder, and necrophilia, just to throw that in. Tequan Cox. Cox was convicted of shooting four relatives of former uh, National Football League player Kermit Alexander. He's been very outspoken uh, on this as well. Carrie Lynn Dalton, female. On death row, she beat, stabbed, and tortured her former roommate before injecting her with battery acid. Or Scott Erskine. In 1989, Erskine raped and drowned a woman. Four years later, he raped and strangled two young boys. Guys, fucking go down the list. You should be, every time, and I tried to do this the other, when he first announced you guys, I was going, I was tweeting him, just giving examples of all these people on death row, asking him if these are the people he feels bad about. But, I mean, there's 737. I can't go through all 737. But feel free to let Gavin Newsom know how you feel. No threats. I'm not advocating any of that. Oh, man. I, I don't get it, you guys. I don't know what this society we're in. Um, Okay. I, I did want to get to this, too. Let's switch gears here. This was the college admissions scandal. Man, I loved this story. This is so great. Uh, clearly, you guys have already heard about this. Uh, this is the scandal, the sweepings admissions fraud investigation, and Hollywood actresses were connected to it, and many CEOs and rich people. Coaches were accused of taking bribes to get students in. Uh, wealthy and well-known parents charged in a case were preparing right now. They're preparing to make their first appearances in court. Uh, the UCLA soccer coach, the f was accused of taking $200,000 in bribes to help students gain admission. Wow. Unbelievable. USC, University of Southern California, that was a big one too. Uh, three coaches and a senior as associate athletic director were charged with taking bribes. And uh, this, is, this is crazy, man. Now, prosecutors have charged 33 wealthy parents. Now, that notably, they have not charged any students. I have mixed feelings on that. On one hand, I suppose it's possible for a student to be completely ignorant, right? But on the other hand, I mean, what do you, you're like a, you're, 
let's call a spade a spade here. You're probably not too fucking smart because your parents are doing this to begin with. And what, you get into an elite school like UCLA, even though you were a dum-dum in high school, and you have no questions on how this happened or why it happened? Maybe they didn't want to know. Very Completely plausible. But yes, the actress Lori Laughlin from Full House surrendered to FBI agents uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, her and her husband, who's the fashion designer Massimo Giannulli, are accused of paying $500,000 in bribes to get their two daughters accepted as recruits for the rowing team to USC, even though neither girl rowed. <laughs> oh, man. $500,000? This is the thing. This is what cracks me up, though. Okay, UCLA is one thing. UCs are very difficult to get into. A lot harder to get into than most private schools because they're you know it's much cheaper, so they're much more selective. Well, all you have to do is really just make a donation to USC for a large enough amount, and they'll probably let you in. I mean, there's no it's a private university; they can do what they want. So I don't. Why didn't this dope just give them the five hundred grand and not commit a bunch of crimes? Because a lot of it's like mail fraud and stuff like that. Uh, they had people correcting ACT exams or taking ACT exams. Pretty wild stuff, man. The central figure in the case is a guy named William Singer. He's a college admissions consultant based in Newport Beach, California, and he has pled guilty to racketeering and other charges in Boston. He's already pled guilty? Wow, that's what the New York Times writes. They say he pled guilty to racketeering and other charges and has been released on bond. So yeah, these uh, this group of schools includes USC, Stanford, Yale, UCLA, Georgetown, USD, University of San Diego was also mentioned. Uh, the University of Texas at Austin announced that it had fired its men's tennis coach who was charged with taking a bribe of $100,000 in exchange for recruiting a student who was not a competitive tennis player. Oh, man. Too funny. Yeah, he would bribe test administrators and proctors to tamper with students' answer sheets or, in some cases, take the whole test in a student's place. Boy, what a... You know, and this has really united a lot of people, you guys. Let let me tell you something. America essentially doesn't like to reward cheating. I would say that's still a, a pretty good rule, as evidenced by the wide spectrum of outrage, you know? And all you parents, think about it. All your kids work their asses off. I have a kid. He worked his ass off. And your kids are working their asses off, stressed about grades, and this these freaking Hollywood celebrities whose dopey kids don't want to be at school anyway. I mean, it's crazy. Why even go then? That's what I'm fascinated with. You know, oh, here's a funny. The Daily Mail points out that guy, uh, Singer, he would also fake students' ethnicities. <laughs> so... So they could, yeah, uh, is there anything specific in here about the ethnicities? That's funny, though. Yep, for the affirmative action stuff. Uh, now, just like I did, I will, just like I did with the Roger Stone thing, if this is true, the FBI agents reportedly stormed actress Felicity Huffman's home in a pre dawn raid with guns drawn to arrest the star. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not. But just like I said with the Roger Stone thing, dude, what are you doing, FBI? Just, just send two guys there. You don't need to draw. What do you, what do you think she's gonna do? You think she's gonna fucking kick the door open and greet you guys with a pump action or something? Stop it. 
stupid. Again, I have no sympathy, but let's I'm trying to be consistent here. Now, Lori Laughlin, it's interesting. Her two daughters, I don't know whether I feel bad for them or not. Because the thing is, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, they didn't have to do this because both her daughters are very huge on Instagram, have many, are making money from, you know, the Instagram product placements, all that crap. One of her daughter's names is Olivia Jade Giannoli, and her sister is Isabella Giannoli. Those were the two who faked being part of a rowing team. And I just wonder, like, okay, so your daughters are already making money. They're like 19, 20 years old. They're probably making $100,000 plus a year. because, Like one of these girls at least has like a million plus Instagram followers. And you have that many followers, that's big money. So the answer is, why then go to school? Oh, I know why. Because mommy wants to be able to say, I have a daughter who went to University of Southern California. That's right. That's all. But yeah, you know what? There's only so many seats. And this is, uh, this is the affirmative action argument, too. There's only so many seats. So by logic, giving away a seat to somebody who doesn't deserve it is taking it away from somebody who does deserve it. That's it. Period. End of story. I have a fucking idea. How about we get rid of everything that doesn't have to do with academic achievement when it comes to admitting us to universities? I'm talking... No more legacy admissions, no more affirmative action admissions, no more my daddy is a CEO, here's a fat check admissions, none of that. How about we freaking go back to academic achievement? What a concept, huh? And uh, it was funny, so the, the Olivia Jade chick, she, got, she actually got in a little trouble because she, um, she said, yeah, I'm going to USC, but I just want to go there and party. Uh, she said, I don't want to... Uh, I just want to go to the football games, and <laughs> that's that's all I want to do. And she uh, she had, she was forced to apologize. This was all before the story broke. She was forced to apologize because a lot of the people objected to what she said. Oh, I've got the uh, I do have a clip on her saying about how she does not care about school. Let's uh, hear this. I, I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and hope that I can try and balance it all. Um, but I do want the experience of like game days, partying. I don't really care about school, as you guys all know. Yeah, well, okay. Well, so then why go? That's what I don't fucking get. Now, I, as I said, I don't know whether to feel sorry for him or not, and it kind of depends on how much she knew because, you know, now the, the girls have dropped out of USC. Obviously, everybody's ripping on him, making fun of him. And uh, th that's the thing. You know, why, why go through all this? And now all the brands that she had endorsements with and her mother, Lori Laughlin, they had all kinds of, like, crazy endorsements with all kinds of corporations. Well, they're all getting dropped. So talk about the ultimate backfire. For one thing, um, Hallmark, Hallmark's parent company, Crown Media, had a deal with Lori Laughlin, and they have dropped her. And her daughter lost major endor endorsements from companies who advertised with her, like beauty product chain Sephora announced that she, they would no longer work with her. And the hair product company, Atresame, also booted her. So man, so so she's losing out on the original business, which she didn't need to go to school for anyway. Gosh. And now there's a five hundred billion dollar lawsuit filed by a parent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that might be a little much. Yeah, one parent filed a five hundred billion dollar civil lawsuit in San Francisco 
accusing 45 defendants of defrauding and inflicting emotional distress on someone whose rights to a fair chance at entrance to college were stolen through their alleged conspiracy. This is the largest known college admission scandal in United States history. Man, crazy. Oh, what else? Okay, guys, I'm depressed again. How about this? How about how about this one headline? Iggy Azalea, the singer, you know, the rapper, the Australian rapper. Uh, she apparently received a vial of semen in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> she put that out on Twitter. I retweeted it. She wrote on Twitter, "Quote: Someone sent a vial of semen in the mail." She spelled "vial" wrong, by the way. V-I-L-E. It's supposed to be V-I-A-L, of course. Someone sent a vial of semen in the mail, and the office assistant had to unknowingly open the package. I, who, puking emoji, FBI exclamation point. And she went on to say, look, now we have your DNA, so we're going to find out who you were. (laughs) Bro, what are you hoping to accomplish with that, Mr. Semen Vial? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish with that? You think, like, what are they, the assistant's going to open it up and be like, oh my God. Ziggy, my girl, I got something for you. Look at this. Holds up the vial of semen. And he's like, oh, my God, I got to have that, man. That is some quality semen. I want it. I want it all up in me. Is that what she's going to think? I don't know. Uh, This was actually, I'm for this, and this is a big deal. In England, they have passed a new law that they think could save a lot of lives a year, and this has to do with organ transplantation. As you guys know, I think I've mentioned it a few times, there's a massive waiting list for organs all over the world, except for Iran. And we in the U.S., and we still have this, you have to specifically opt in to be an organ donor. If you don't check the box, right, at all, then you're not an organ donor. Your organs cannot be donated. Well, what England did was made it so if you didn't put either way, you were considered an organ donor. And I think they're working on that to come to America, too. I'm very much for that. The legislation to make organ donation automatic unless people opt out became law in England, and it's known as Max and Kira's Law. Uh, Those are two children, Max Johnson, who was 10, and Kira Ball, the 9-year-old donor who saved him. And many people are uh, sound like they're on board with it. Prime Minister Theresa May hailed it as a momentum step forward, and it's very good. Uh, They did exclude some residents. Um, Residents who have been there for less than 12 months, people under 18, and people (laughs) lacking the capacity to understand the change (laughs) is what they wrote. So the dummies. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a good thing. Uh, they, they, a lot of people chimed in with stuff that they needed, like one 23 year old kid. He needed a double lung transplant. Jeez. He was born with cystic fibrosis and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in this. You guys, I think, yeah, why not? Why not dude? You're dead anyway. You know, harvest those organs is what I say until we get all the, uh, until we get the fake ones become good enough. All right, what else? Uh, let's. I'm just skipping around a little bit here. <laughs> oh, this one. This was sad. Did you guys hear about this nine-year-old girl whose body was found stuffed in a duffel bag? Yeah, horrible. Out here in California. Well, they've detained the mother of the nine-year-old girl, and this is uh, Trinity Love Jones is the name of the girl. 
And her mom's name is Tequesta Graham, who's 28. So they've detained the mom and they've charged her boyfriend with murder. This is breaking today. And uh, yeah, that's very sad. Can you imagine, imagine, man, I think about our first responders all the time. Imagine having to open up this bag and look at it. The little girl was wearing what appeared to be pajamas and her top was adorned with the message, Future Princess Hero. And you're stuffed into a bag like a fucking sack of meat. Just discarded. Oh, but Gavin Newsom might fucking be really upset if we give that guy the death penalty, you guys. We don't want to do that. Uh, this is why, is this, if we had any kind of media that wasn't completely worthless, they'd be shouting at Gavin Newsom every minute on the minute about this. If we had any kind of media who wasn't completely ideologically in lockstep with Gavin Newsom, then we'd get some answers and some proper heckling because this deserves he shouldn't be able to go anywhere without somebody yelling out the names of some murder victims to him uh personal i'm fired up about this one you guys uh what else <laughs> jeez this one uh the woman who was attacked by a jaguar taking a photo at the wildlife zoo in phoenix yeah it sounds like she's gonna live yeah, she's very mortified, but this dope. I could, you know what? Honestly, her tattoos and flab told me all I needed to know about her. Barriers were up. She decided to jump over the barriers and take get a selfie, right? She did sustain non-life-threatening injuries uh, to her hand. No big deal. I did see the cut. It was a deep cut. I did tweet out the video. You can see her on the ground crying and being attended to by bystanders. A gash is clearly visible on her lower left arm. And one of the bystanders says in the video, they got the Jaguar to let go by hitting it with a water bottle. Hmm. That's how the Brits pronounce it. You know, whenever they're talking about the car, they're like, Jaguar. Uh, you know, the hillbillies out here in America go, yo, it's a Jaguar. Turning to San Francisco, the San Francisco Gate had a funny story about how libraries in San Francisco are now sanctuaries for the homeless. Now, it's unintentionally funny because San, they think the San Francisco Gate thinks this is great. This is how it should be. But that's what they said. Uh, San Francisco's main library are just filled with homeless people. Uh, there's a Hollywood movie even coming out about them called The Public. It is a fictional drama about a group of homeless men who take over the Cincinnati main library one night to avoid freezing to death. <laughs> How about go to a shelter, guys? Oh, that's right. You know what they have at the shelter, everyone? This is the thing you'll never hear in the media. You know what they have at shelters? They have rules. That's right. They have rules against drug use and drunkenness and being high. That's why a lot of fucking people don't want to go to the shelters. I know. How gauche of me to point that out. You'll never hear that covered from the uh, homeless activist SJWs. They don't want to be in the shelter because the shelter doesn't let them do drugs. Mm. Oh, this one's a bad one. Cops are investigating NFL star Tyreek Hill. Uh-oh. The Kansas City Chiefs star receiver. This is like A-lister in the NFL. He's being investigated for an alleged battery incident involving his three-year-old son. The boy's arm was said to have been broken during the incident. Hmm. 
Hill's name was not mentioned in a report, but his home address was, which is how they kind of pieced the thing together. This is in Overland Park, Texas. I'm sorry, Kansas. Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, so yeah, you're uh, you're in deep shit, dude. And his fiance, who's 24, named Chris, Crystal Espinal, was listed under the category "others involved," and she's pregnant with twins. Mm. That's bad, man. First of all, and also Tyreek, avoid. One of my standing rules is to avoid women named Crystal. Nothing good can come of that. <laughs> I just this is why I keep losing Patreon people. You know, I probably have like five Patreon members of uh, guys who contribute to the Patreon named Crystal. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Crystal. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to Oh, uh, you guys know I like lists. You guys know I like that. Okay, I got two lists for you. These are good. First of all, they put out the list of the top 30 uh, places to live in the world, okay? And this is by global consulting firm Mercer, and it's uh, they've been doing this every year for quite some time, so it's fairly well-respected. Well, the thing is, no United States city has cracked the top 30 on places to live. Right, quick, guys, who's number one? Who do you think? I'll give you a hint. It's for the 10th year in a row, this city is number one. Uh, this city is Vienna. This is the number one place to live. Uh, Vienna is quite beautiful. I've been there. And it was followed by Zurich with Auckland, Munich, and Vancouver tying for third place. They use a ranking on you know a number of complicated factors, including recreation, housing, economy, public services, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, uh, they said... Uh, 13 of the world's top 20 spots were taken by European cities. Well, yeah, I'm just scrolling through the list here. Let me see. Okay, the first city that is not a European city. Okay, there's none in the top 10 as I scroll. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Uh, Auckland was tied for... Uh, Auckland and Vancouver tied for third place. But as you go down the list, you don't see any other cities again until you get to number 11, which is Sydney tied with Amsterdam. And you'll have to scroll all the way down to the 34th spot to find an American city. That honor goes to San Francisco. What? <laughs> okay. I see what's going on here. This is like a list of, uh, this is like a list for social justice warriors. Oh, they've got the trolley. That makes it a great place to live, even though there's eight dudes flinging feces at one another with needles hanging out of their arms. I, guys, I get messages from my guy up in San Francisco all the time. My man Z is up there. I got a few other gals up there who, who uh, write. They say it's just absolutely horrific. It's like going to a third world slum in some areas. That's funny. All United States cities fell in rankings this year with the exception of New York, which climbed one place to 44th. Isn't New York going through unprecedented crime right now? I don't know. This I'm not sure. I'm not sold on this list. Okay, I said I had two lists. Here's the other one. The 25 worst counties to live in, okay, in America, clearly. And this was conducted by 24-7 Wall Street. Oh, really, USA Today? You're going to start from 25 and make me scroll all the way to the bottom. Okay, I'll play your freaking game. 
Okay, the number one worst county. You ready for this? Any guesses? All right, the number one worst county to live in is Oglala, Lakota County in South Dakota. That falls entirely within the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in southern South Dakota. They say it is the worst county to live in both the state and the country. Uh, they said life expectancy there is only 66 years. That is the lowest of any U.S. county. Oh, South Dakota, how proud you must be because that's number one in South Dakota. Number two is also in South Dakota, Todd County. <laughs> also including much of an Indian reservation. Hmm, I sense a trend. Uh, third is Holmes County, Mississippi. Number four is McDowell County, West Virginia. And rounding out the top five is McCreary County, Kentucky. So those are your five worst counties in America. So, I don't know. You guys should get out of there if it's that bad. I don't know if it's that bad. I've never been to any of those places, I don't think. Okay, let's go to... What do I want to go to? Oh, I did want to play this really quick. I don't know if you guys saw. This is an, an old tape of Maya Angelou made the rounds. And I did want to play. Even though it's old, it's coming up again because, you know, we're all outraged about everything. Um, there's a 30-year-old clip that was going around social media this week of Maya Angelou, who is a legendary poet, author, and civil rights activist. She did pass away in 2014. However, Twitter found some footage of her on a television show in 1990 correcting a young woman who called Maya Angelou by her first name. And Maya Angelou did not care for this familiarity, okay? So... <laughs> I want to hear, let me tell you, tell me what you guys think. Let me hear this. Let's hear this clip right now. Yeah, I wanted to ask Maya her views on interracial relationships. Oh, thank you. And first, I'm Miss Angelo. Miss Angelo. Yes, ma'am. I'm not Maya. I'm 62 years old. <laughs> I have lived so long and tried so hard that a young woman like you or any other has no, you have no license to Excuse come up to me and call me by my first name. Excuse me. That's first. That's first. Also because at the same time, I am your mother, I'm your auntie, I'm your teacher, I'm your professor, you see? Okay, so that, that was the whole clip. Now, I, uh, I, have no, I have zero problem with that. Now, if it was in the, mo I'd, I would have more of a problem if she did it today. And I'll tell you why. Because now today, this young woman who asked that question would have been embarrassed and shamed on social media and millions of people, right? Uh, so I would think, and, and to Maya Angelou's credit, she actually went back later and did like apologize saying like, look, I didn't mean to call you out, but uh, d there is nothing wrong in my opinion, correcting a young person to in, have them address you in a more formal way. Fucking frankly, that's something that should be done a, lot, a hell of a lot more. I'm not like all, I'm not Mr. Moto disciplinarian or anything, but try, you guys have no idea. The kids now, they're, they're not like the kids 30 years ago. Okay. I see them at the seawall all the time. They're doing meth and they want to stab me in the eye as I walk by. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I am all about a little discipline. Not a problem with that. So let me know your guys' thoughts on that one. Pretty interesting. Let's turn to the illegal immigration stuff. You guys know I cover that quite a bit here, and I've got a few stories. One was a big one, because once again. 
We had an illegal alien who was shielded by sanctuary city laws, and then he went on to stab a woman to death. Yeah, but you never... Did you even see this on the news, you guys? Just compare and contrast this every time, tragically, an illegal immigrant kid dies. This was a woman, an American woman, was stabbed to death by an illegal alien who was purposely protected. <laughs> and it barely makes the news. It's maddening. And this is Carlos Eduardo Arevalo Carranza. Four names. Carlos Carranza, 24 years old. He stalked Bambi Larson's neighborhood before beating her and stabbing her to death in her home. The immigrant, should be illegal immigrant, KTLA, from El Salvador had been on the radar of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement since 2013 when he failed to show up in immigration court. Uh-uh, that never happens. Uh, oh, he was homeless, by the way. So again, thank you for your fuck. But remember, you guys, every illegal immigrant is a uh, fucking... A Rhodes Scholar, right? Okay, so he was homeless, and he had several convictions for felony offenses. Unfrickin' believable. A self-admitted gang member, he has a long criminal history in the San Francisco Bay Area and Los Angeles spanning five years. He was on probation for the possession of meth, paraphernalia, false imprisonment, and burglary. Now, to his credit, San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo said on Wednesday, it is time for Santa Clara County officials to reconsider a policy that ignores federal hold requests for predatory felons. He said he has been urging county officials to treat violent immigrants in the country. Uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. He's been urging county officials to treat violent criminals in the country illegally different from the rest of those who entered the U.S. without legal permission. And he says what I've been bitching about. He says, look, we're not asking the county to detain anyone a minute longer than the law allows. That's the big, because that's always the excuse they make. The sheriffs say, look, ICE wants us to hold people past what their sentence is, and we can't do that. And my answer has been like, well, nobody's asking you. How about you just freaking call them a few days before and say, hey, at 12 noon, freaking old, stupid Carlos Carranza is walking out of our jail. Might want to be there, fellas. And here's what I don't know. Because Santa Clara County Supervisor Dave Cortez said in a statement that the county has for many years provided ICE with real-time local and state-level data on who is in custody and when they will be released. That's what he said. And Cortez went on to say, despite having this information, ICE does not show up to take custody in a timely manner to avoid release into the community. So the finger, they're finger-pointing each other. Now, I don't know what that's true. ICE guys, I know my ICE guys are listening. Uh, I'm sure the county is lying about that. I'm sure that they hide and obfuscate or maybe tell, or they send you a phone call, or they send you an email like 10 minutes before the guy's walking out the door of the jail and you're like 45 minutes away. I'm sure all kinds of little finagle games are being played here. I believe it. However, I would like to know if that's true. I would like to, let me see those emails. Let me see your phone call records. I want to see you point out to me where you called ICE and how long it was before the illegal alien was released onto the streets. I'd like to see that. Any reporter going to follow up on that or nah? No, no big deal. I mean, it's only the murder of an American citizen. No big deal. And this doesn't happen too much, right? Please. 
Uh, a detainer notice from DHS shared with Fox News by a source noted that Carranza, 24, was to be deported. But a second document dated the following day was stamped with a notice that the request was, quote, in all caps, not honored per county policy, end quote. Wow. So the county is being caught in a lie right here. Yep, he was deported in 2013 after DHS detained him at the border, but he later managed to re-enter the United States. <laughs> if only, if only there was some sort of physical barrier that would make it very difficult to enter the United States. It, what, I, I, guys, what's a good word? What could we call that? How about a schmorder schmall? You call it a schmorder schmall? Maybe we get some money for that. Yeah, great guy. 2015 burglary conviction, 2016 arrest for battery in L.A., blah, blah, blah. And now he's a murderer. Now we'll be taking care of him for the rest of his life. Uh, my One of my ICE guys did send me that picture because a Dominican national in U.S. illegally has been charged with assault for biting off the tip of a veteran ICE officer's finger. And he sent me the blurred one, but he said the unblurred picture is fantastic. And I, I demanded he send it to me. And he wouldn't. He knows I want to tweet that out. I wouldn't, bro. You know that. You, hey, you guys, any, hey, listen. Anybody who's ever sent me a tip knows that I will never put anything out without your permission. Absolutely. And all confidentiality is guaranteed. This I have to say that because as my tentacles further extend into the reach of all state and local governments and federal governments, I, I want to make sure that you guys feel safe providing me with intel. That includes my man D, FBI agent. You know, that's yet another agency I've now infiltrated. <laughs> uh, anything else in the immigration? Oh, yeah, I have uh, just a couple quick hits here. Um. More than half of all illegal immigrants arrested at the U.S.-Canadian border are Mexican. <laughs> They're going over there. In fiscal year 2018, a total of 4,316 non-citizens were arrested at the northern U.S. border. And of those, 2,245 were Mexican citizens. Uh, total arrests at the northern border jumped 43% between 2017 and 2018 and have reached the highest level in eight years. Okay, well, good. Hey, got you heard Justin Trudeau, SJW Trudeau, said all you illegal immigrants, We, I know Donald Trump is mean, eh? So, eh, just cruise up to Canada, hoser. That's what he said. I've got the audio clips. He sounded just like that, too. Uh, Democrats have offered a new citizenship bill, a new DREAM Act. This thing is massive. <laughs> they, they say this could lift as many 2.7 million illegal immigrants out of legal limbo and give them a full pathway to citizenship. It would protect them from deportation immediately. They would also gain rights to take their cases to federal courts, and some DREAMers who have been deported could apply to return to the United States. Get out of here. Jesus. Uh. This is what you guys voted for. Uh, they would also legalize everybody who's in the country under that uh, temporary protected status or TPS. You know, those are all the people who grifted their way in America. Remember when we gave them shelter to like the, that earthquake in, Latin, in South America and like thousands of people came and then like 20 years later, they're still here. Yeah, temporary, temporary protected status. So, yeah, massive amnesty bill in the works. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump actually signs this. He just wants to win, you know. 
Uh, a North Carolina sheriff has uh, said, yeah, he has cut ties with his controversial federal immigration program. I think I told you guys about him. Wake County Sheriff Gerald Baker. Yep, and he had he had to have a town meeting because uh, all the all the uh, illegal sympathizers were um, very upset because now ICE, as I've repeatedly pointed out, is flooding the area with agents to make arrests. And when they arrest people now, they're going to take everyone because you've made it so you won't cooperate, and they can't go into your jail, and they can't get the real criminals. So they're going to go into the community instead. So that's what you get. And he did say. Uh, Yes, there's nothing I can do about that. Well, okay. It'll never end, you guys. We have to have some major, I mean, and I don't, I don't, I, uh, I'm just using, don't fucking get all worked up about it. I'm just speculating. Nothing is ever going to change until massive numbers of crimes affect the social justice warriors by illegal immigrants. And even then it probably won't. I don't know what their obsession with this is. Again, you can really easily tie somebody in knots just by saying, well, do you think there should be a border? They'll all say yes. And then you're like, but you just don't want to let everyone in and you don't want anyone deported. And then they'll be like, well, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, then you don't believe in a border. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) Well, it is. A uh, former Customs and Border Protection agent was sentenced to more than nine years in prison for helping smugglers get drugs across the southern border. Wow. Robert Hall, for 10 years, facilitated the trafficking of illegal drugs, including marijuana, into the United States from Mexico on behalf of a drug trafficking organization. According to the Justice Department, he accepted $50,000 in cash from that organization, some cartel, in exchange for using his position as a Border Patrol agent to enable the drug shipments to cross the border into Texas without law enforcement detection. Jeez. Yeah, he would just straight up unlock locked gates for them and let them walk right in. Oh, unbelievable. And you guys probably also saw, I did tweet the video out of all the uh, dozens of illegal immigrants cutting their way through the California border fronts between TJ and California. Yeah, because it was all corroded by the salt water. It's right when the, it's right at the Pacific Ocean. Yep, they then rushed the beach past a single Border Patrol agent in a car. And here's again our stupid laws. All the migrants were eventually captured, and then they all promptly claimed asylum. (laughs) Okay, do you get to claim asylum when we have you on video fucking cutting holes in our fences and sprinting by? That should be like a no-go, right? Common sense would say yes, but sadly we don't have any of that. Uh, I did say illegal border crossings from... uh, Oh, I, I meant to... I meant to say, guys, I talked about how people were going into Canada. Well, we also have a lot of illegal border crossings from Canada. That's rising. Now, it's only a small amount. They say more than 960 people crossed into the U.S. illegally from the northern border with Canada last year, according to CBP data. Now, that number is a tiny fraction, as I said, but it does represent a 91% increase from the prior fiscal year. That's funny. Who's coming? I'm just... They say in here? Um, he said... Uh, one, eight, one spokesman said that the apprehensions were trending up, and he said that the type of apprehensions they were seeing was very organized, sometimes using smuggling organizations. Hmm. 
Curious. I wonder if that's like the human trafficking, like the uh, the Robert Kraft uh, rub and tug situation, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. But yes, that's uh, the illegal immigration rolls on. Never ends. I did want to note just, uh, I put this out on Twitter at BK Actual Podcast also. I did want to just a, a, a quick note that it was one year ago yesterday uh, that uh, a Blackhawk United States Air Force helicopter went down in the Iraqi desert. It was call sign Jolly 51. And this made us lose uh, two PJs. Uh, Master Sergeant William Posh and Staff Sergeant Carl Ennis. And uh, it was very sad. You guys remember last year when I went to the memorial for that. And in also to that, Combat Rescue Officer Mark Weber was also killed and four other airmen, the crew of the HH-60 Pavehawk. And that was in Anbar Province on March 15th, so a year and a day. It's very sad. I knew Carl through Facebook. I knew Bill a little bit, not well. I know Bill was a total stud, PT stud, PJ stud, just the master of his craft. And it's, it's a bummer. So enough said on that. What else? Oh, the head of the, the Southern Poverty Law Center fired their co-founder, Morris Dees. Yeah. That is, of course, the famous nonprofit civil rights organization. And apparently, this Dees is a long time. He's like the original social justice warrior, right? And he is 82. He co-founded the Montgomery-based organization in 1971. And they're not saying what he did exactly, but they're saying conduct. So I imagine alcohol and or sexual harassment has a lot to do with it. I'm just guessing. I don't know for sure. But I am just guessing. Um. Oh, we had a cop. He was on his camera questioning a handcuffed guy. The handcuffed guy spits on him, so the cop punches him in the face. <laughs> See? It's like a five-minute-long video, but I'm going to play. I'm going to skip ahead to, like, the last couple minutes here just to uh, so we get, like, kind of a taste of how it is. Here we go. You're scared you're going to lock my keys because you're that much of a bitch? That much of a pussy? That's the victim. Alright. I'll remember you. What's your name? Officer what? Let me see. Right there. Come on, pussy ass motherfucker. Come here. Come here, let me see. Officer pussy. <laughs> oh shit. That's so funny. Just laughing and giggling, having a good time. Yeah, I know. The audio's not great, but yeah, the guy did spit on his face after calling him a bitch, and the cop just said, you're not going to spit on me again. Uh, yeah, no problem with that at all, in my opinion. God, I still have a ton of stories to go through. 
Uh, well, you guys know I like the sex sting operations. Uh, eight men have been charged after an undercover sex sting near Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio. Yep. And a undercover operation targeting human trafficking predators led to those arrests. And uh, yeah, that was great. This was part of an investigation by the Liberty Township Police Department of a human trafficking task force. And this was, again, an undercover sting where these <laughs> these guys, I'm just looking at their mug shots right now, they're all quite large. They have very full, round faces. And yes, a cop did uh, pose as somebody they weren't, shockingly enough. A, uh, in California, a California church volunteer has been arrested after allegedly having sex with a 16-year-old girl. Yep. Chi Lim Chuk. 55 is also accused of offering the girl pornography to watch during their encounters, which investigators said took place at church. <laughs> oh, God. I'm telling you, if, there's a, the, the, if, if the churches could talk, what would be the stories they would tell about what's been going on in the background? Uh, I don't know if you guys follow the K-pop world. That's Korean pop music. It's very huge now. They're undergoing a rough time because police in South Korea questioned two K-pop stars and two other singers uh, quit their bands on Thursday as accusations of sex tapes, prostitutes, and secret chat about rape rocked the music industry. Yeah. One guy is suspected of paying for prostitutes for foreign businessmen to drum up investments in his business. <laughs> I'm shocked, I tell you. And another guy said he, he's, he admitted, another guy named uh, Jung Jun Young, he's a singer and television celebrity, he admitted to having shared videos he took secretly while having sex with women. Uh-oh, that's no good. Now they're looking to see if he distributed the videos. So he's in, he's in deep shit. And both of those guys were members of online chat groups where secret sex tapes were shared, and men joked about drugging and raping women. Oh, God. I, I go back to what I said last week. I, I don't understand, like, what, 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 what's a turn on when you do the Cosby? What is that? So you get aroused. Let me get this straight. You get aroused when a chick is basically unconscious, and that gets you going wildly, so what, you stick it in as she's motionless and doesn't wake up? Like, that, 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 that's not sexy, guy. I'm just saying. Horrible. Lock them up. Lock them up. I, I just have a few crime stories here. A custodian in the... Where is this? Uh, somewhere in the Ozarks. Uh, again, guys, my big bitch. Oh, Missouri. That's where this is. <laughs> I don't like when I have to search for the name of the state. A custodian in the Camdenton School District facing criminal charges for lewd conduct in a school restroom has apparently been accused of similar actions before. 30-year-old Jesse Warren DeVore was accused of masturbating in a Walmart bathroom in 2013. You think I'm joking about the Walmart bathroom? How many times have I told you? Well... The latest allegations against him. Shockingly, that was not his first time. I'm sorry, that was uh, he didn't stop there, I should say. Uh, the latest ones, a 12-year-old boy at school says that DeVore 
masturbated in front of him. <laughs> he has now since been fired. How do you get hired to school when they've already got you on record as jacking off in a Walmart bathroom? I don't know, but these, I, I do operate under that. The background checks are all bullshit. You know, I'm at that point where I really just don't believe any of them anymore. All right. Um, what else? Oh, we had an actual hate crime, not the fake hate crimes that they, they keep popping up. Yeah, this one is a real one. Police in New York said they arrested a transgender woman, they say, attacked a white couple in the Bronx and maybe behind a series of attacks in Upper Manhattan as well. Investigators say that the transgender suspect, who is black, confronted a couple on East 187th Street in the Bronx. The attacker allegedly approached the couple and asked the woman if she was white before pepper spraying her. Now, this couple was too afraid to show their faces on camera, but tearfully described what happened to them. <laughs> Jeez. The man who was with her said he tried to get over to the suspect, you know, to like, hey, stop fucking pepper spraying my girlfriend. But this transgender woman pulled a knife on him. <laughs> Jesus. Now they think this person, Thomas Hurd, who's 37, that's the transgender woman, now they're looking to see whether she's the same person wanted in a string of suspected hate crimes in Manhattan. Multiple people, all of whom were white, were sprayed with an unknown chemical substance. Okay, well, finally, a real hate crime. Obviously, it's not the one that the media really likes, which is probably why you've never even heard of it. A New Jersey priest who was accused of sexual abuse was found shot to death in his Nevada house. Yeah, John Caparelli, 70 years old, was shot in the neck. He is a former New Jersey priest. And his body was found in the kitchen. They said the cops said they did not have a suspect at this time. His name appeared on a list in February, covered here. With 187 other clergy, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York said had been credibly accused of abusing minors. Well, okay. Well, that seems to have worked itself out, right? I don't think the cops are going to be looking too hard <laughs> at that one. I'm just saying. You know, they'll be like, ah, yeah, what are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? Now, speaking of, this, in more transgender news, I've got a couple here. A Miami surgeon who's known for his gender reassignment work with trans patients has been fired after it was discovered that he'd been posting offensive, explicit images of his patients' body parts to a secret Instagram account without their consent. Dr. Christopher Sal Salgado of the University of Miami Health System had been operating the since-deleted Instagram account at Sex Surgeon. <laughs> it's deleted now. Don't go bother looking. Since as far back as October of last year, there he would post pictures of surgically removed genitals, pairing them with offensive captions intended to be humorous. And this is the one I saw. In one photo posted on Valentine's Day, Salgado rearranged a patient's dissected, severed penis into a heart shape, tagging it, hashtag, what the fuck is that? And he captioned a photo of a dildo removed from a person's rectum with, quote, could have been avoided if the trans man had a real phalloplasty, end quote, 
along with the hashtag Real Dicks Matter. What a fucking weirdo. You guys know I have no patience for transgender surgeries. I think they're barbaric. But at the you also, if you're going to have it, I mean, I lost that battle, right? If you're going to have it, how about have some fucking morals, some, I don't know, patient privacy, some HIPAA act fucking discipline? How could you do that? I mean, God, these people are already, like, fucked up enough, like, thinking about, I mean, the emotions they're feeling. They finally did this. And now they got the doc who's cutting off their dicks and making them into funny pictures on Instagram. Yeah, it's so funny. He uh, also would tag other penile enhancement pics, hashtag Asian cock. Oh, yeah, great guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a very compassionate woke liberal, though. I'm sure, right? Oh man, what else do I got? Oh, we had a mob boss shooting. Did you guys see that one? A reputed Gambino crime boss was gunned down in front of his home on Staten Island on Wednesday night, and sources told CBS2 News in New York it may have been an inside job. Uh, they're working at multiple angles, and police say they have video from a distance of one of the suspects they're looking for. Oh, one of them. Uh, this His death is the first murder of a mob boss in New York City in more than 30 years. His upscale new neighborhood was teeming with detectives. You spelled teeming wrong, New York. They spelled it T-E-A-M-I-N-G. How, how are they this bad? You have one job. You have one fucking job to print the letters in their proper order and to write sentences that are clear and easy to make sense, you guys. It's not fucking that hard to do. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be my new job. Every news outlet in the world has to send everything to me first. Okay? That's what we'll do. I'm just going to do some quick hits here, you guys, because I'm kind of up against the clock a little bit. What is it? 2.06? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, flipping off a cop is free speech, the court has ruled. Yes, a U.S. District Court. Uh, this was at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit in the case of Deborah Lee Golias versus Matthew Wayne Menard. Uh, Golias was the motorist and Menard was the cop. So, um, what happened was she was stopped for speeding. The cop shows mercy and gives her a ticket for a non-moving violation, right? So maybe like uh, just a warning. As the police officer pulls away, the woman flipped her, flipped him off. So he takes offense, switches on lights and sirens and stops her again Oh, it says he plowed into her car in the process? What do you do, a pit maneuver? Uh, and then on top of that, he changed the original ticket to a moving violation. So she sued him for violating her constitutional rights. And um, she said she was unhappy because, according to her, the area where she was pulled over in June 2017 is a notorious speed trap. Okay, well, then you if it's notorious, then fucking go the speed limit, dipshit. Um, now, the three-judge panel did rule unanimously that the second stop was not reasonable, even though the woman was ungrateful. And to justify the second stop, the cop needed probable cause that she had committed a violation. And he didn't have it because giving the finger is not a crime. It is protected by the First Amendment. So, since there's no reason to believe she broke the law, 
He also violated her Fourth Amendment protection against unreasonable search and seizure. All right. Well, there you go. Flip off all the cops. They've said it. It's good. Uh, you guys know I like the science. Scientists have built the world's first time machine, kind of. Working with electrons in the bizarre realm of quantum mechanics, scientists have first created the, uh, the equivalent of a break for a game of pool. Uh, what they're trying to do, this is a little bit complicated. Okay, you know when you break in pool, the game, the balls scatter away? Well, they should appear to split in a haphazard way, but researchers managed to make them reform in their original order, looking as if they were turning back time. Basically, a researcher at Moscow's Laboratory of the Physics of Quantum Information at the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology said, we have artificially created a state that evolves in a direction opposite to that of the thermodynamic arrow of time. I'm, I don't think I'm doing a very good job of explaining this, so I will say there's a, there's a diagram that makes sense of it a lot more than I am right now babbling away. So I, give me a break, you guys. It's been a long week, all right? Fuck. Uh, more than half American pets are fat. New study reveals. <laughs> there's a big old fat dog in this picture. Yep, more than half of American pets are too chunky, says a new survey out Tuesday from the Association of Pet Obesity Prevention. Uh, actually, more dogs, more cats than dogs are classified as overweight obese. And they said that pet owners and veterinarian staff were confused by conflicting pet nutritional advice and have, hel and have trouble helping pets get down to ideal weights. Uh, veterinarians need to offer more obesity treatment options than feed less and exercise more. Yeah, there's a lot of fat dogs out here. Although I will say it's not as bad out here because we have a dog beach pretty close by and it's like miles wide and, and you know anybody can go look at it. Uh, Shake Shack is even, uh, they're jumping on the four-day work week bandwagon. And I just point this out because I'm a big fan of this. The four-day work week. Guys, I'm totally down. Yep, the turnover rate in the hospitality sector was more than 70% for the second straight year. So... In other words, nobody sticks around. So they're experimenting with all kinds of ways to like, you know, make the employees happier. So in Vegas, they're testing out this new four-day work week at Shake Shack. And this has been kind of growing to not just them, but others. Uh, for example, they had a six-week trial involving almost 250 employees at a New Zealand financial services firm. And that was so successful... By their measurements, workers were 20% more productive and showed a 24% improvement in work-life balance after going to a 32-hour work week. But they were still being, oh, this is odd. They were still being paid for 40 hours, though. Hmm. Now, I would do the four-day work week, but you have to, and a lot of companies like Deloitte and KPMG have instituted this. They're offering four-day work weeks with flexible hours. Now, now on those two, the aforementioned companies, workers are still responsible for putting in the full 40 hours over the few days. Which, dude, I'm all about, like, it work, once you've woke up and you got dressed, I mean, you've kind of accepted the situation. So, so I'd rather go for four days at 10, even 12 hours a day, than five days at eight hours a day, all day long. Because, I mean, you're already going to work. What difference does it make, you know, if you stay another two hours or not? I don't think it makes any difference. 
Okay. Oh, uh, Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez. She had a funny clip. She was talking to Wells Fargo CEO Timothy Sloan during a House Financial Services Committee hearing. And um, she basically wanted to know if he felt responsible for pipeline leaks that his bank helped finance. And he said, well, we don't, we, we don't, he accurately said, well, we just make the loan. We don't run business operations. Uh, so let's hear how this goes. On the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, should Wells Fargo be held responsible for the damages incurred by climate change due to the financing of fossil fuels and, and these projects? I, I don't know how you'd calculate that, Congresswoman. Uh, say from spills or when we have to reinvest in infrastructure building seawalls from the uh, erosion of... Um, from the erosion of infrastructure or cleanups, wildfires, et cetera? Related to that pipeline? I'm not aware that there's been any of what you described that's mm -hmm. occurred related to How about to that um, the cleanups from the leaks of the Dakota Access Pipeline? I'm, I'm not aware of the leaks associated with the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, that you're describing. So hypothetically, if there was a leak from mm -hmm. the Dakota Access Pipeline, uh, why shouldn't Wells Fargo pay for the cleanup of it, if since it paid for the construction of the pipeline itself? Because we don't operate the pipeline. We provide financing to the company that's operating the pipeline. Our responsibility is to ensure that at the time that we make that loan, that that, that customer, and we have a group of people in Wells Fargo, including an environmental oversight group headed by one of my colleagues who used to be at the EPA. Uh, so one question, why did Wells Fargo <laughs> finance this pipeline when it was widely seen to be environmentally unstable? Uh, again, the reason that we were one of the 17 or 19 banks that financed that is because our team reviewed the environmental impact and we concluded that it was, it was a risk that we were willing to take. Thank you. Oh, that's so funny. So basically she wants, she would like this crazy person she, nothing could ever possibly be done. She's saying like, okay, well, if you own the money, then you're liable. Well, talk about grinding the United States capitalist system to a halt, which obviously is the end goal. Like, you, could, you couldn't function that way. So you're on the hook now? So if, you, if I get an auto loan and fucking T-bone a family of four is the people who gave me the loan, are they liable for what I did? Ridiculous. Yeah, what else? Where's that other one I had? Um, I did have more of her, but you know what? Frankly, I'm not even going to bother. Um, I did. Where's the other one? I had had something. Along, this is the hard part, you guys. Is I have to kind of scroll scroll through these stories, and there's so many of them that it's sometimes hard to uh, find the one I want. And where is it? Well, it's the it's the gun thing. I'll just say, maybe I didn't pull it up. I'm shocked. Uh, I did have to say, a court ruled that basically that re the lawsuit against Remington could go forward in the Sandy Hook shooting. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, they're responsible, or at least the lawsuit can go forward, because in their this crazed judge's world, Remington is somehow responsible for somebody taking their product and misusing it. Like, the product did not malfunction in any way. But because, and Adam Lanza, the killer, let's just, he wasn't even allowed to own the gun or buy the gun. So how could you possibly be held liable for a product that the person who misused it is not even allowed to own? How is that your fucking fault? It was the mom's fault, obviously.
But that's going to go on, and that will probably get tossed out. This one was sad. This high, A high schooler dies in a skydiving accident his very first time jumping. Jesus. One day before his 18th birthday. Uh, Dayton Bryant died during his first skydiving jump in Colorado. Oh, this is crazy. He opted for a solo static line jump where the parachute opens automatically rather than a tandem jump with an instructor. So just like airborne school, right? They say his canopy opened, but for an unknown reason went into a spiral. Oh, man. And stat you'd think static line would be way safer, wouldn't you? Man, that's shitty. I'm just going, is there anything else that says how it went wrong? Uh, he exited the aircraft at 3,500 feet above the ground. And they said they inspected all the skydiving equipment and found nothing wrong. And the place where he went skydiving has been in operation for 25 years. And, uh, wow, oh, did he even have a—I mean, they have to have a secondary chute still, right? Just like in airborne school, you know, in static line jumps, you have your main and your reserve. It doesn't say in this article. Very sad. Uh, the USS Fort McHenry is currently operating in the Persian Gulf in the Middle East. Well, it has been quarantined at sea for two months <laughs> due to a viral outbreak. 25 people on board the Fort McHenry, the USS Fort McHenry, have been diagnosed with parotitis, a viral infection, a viral infection similar to mumps. And they're currently in the Middle East, and now nobody can go on board the ship or leave. Oh, man. How does this happen? Out of an abundance of caution, all service members aboard Fort McHenry have received measles, mumps, and rubella, the MMR booster vaccinations. Well, how, shouldn't they have all had that? If you're in the military, you can't even be in the military without having that. So I don't know. Uh, just going through some quick stories, you guys, because I'm running out of time. Did you see this? A 17-year-old high school student shot herself dead in an auditorium after asking to be excused from class to go to the bathroom. This is at Lake Mary High School in Seminole, Florida. Jeez. Uh, it is a woman. They said she killed herself. The public high school is put in a lockdown. Awful. I blame social media. I don't even know the story, and I, I already know that's the culprit. Uh, what, what else? I, there's like too many of these. There's too many. Uh, I did mention this when it happened, but remember when that guy raped and murdered a 10-month-old baby? Yeah, a couple years back. 33-year-old Benjamin Taylor has finally taken the stand for his trial. I, three years ago, you guys. Why does this take so freaking long? A recording of the mom's 911 call was played to the courtroom on Wednesday, and you can hear the mom say, quote, I think he fucking raped her, end quote. She detailed the paramedics how her daughter, Emily Atkins, was bleeding from her vagina. My God. Ugh. Horrible. I don't know if, did he know this chick? Or was this total strength? Oh, no, okay, it was her boyfriend, of course. She walked in on him to find him shirtless and kneeling over his na her naked daughter with his pants unbuttoned. <sighs> Yikes. Um, what else? There's so many horrible ones. I'm trying to find something funny, but guys, I really don't have anything funny. 
uh, we had a, there's a, remember that three-year-old girl that was stabbed to death at a birthday party in Idaho? Remember that? And it was from, uh, it was the immigrants. There was a family of immigrants. It was the mother was from Ethiopia and the dad was from Turkey. Remember that guy just walked in during the, the birthday party and killed the three-year-old girl? Well, he, the, the murderer is in prison. He wants to change his name to Eternal Love. So the parents are going after the state saying, no, uh, you don't get to change your name to Eternal Love because that could confuse the jury. He has yet to stand trial. That's why. They don't want the guy named Eternal Love to get that name. Fuck that. Boy, people are really crazy. Again, this is somebody that Gavin Newsom feels very badly for, you guys. A Georgia man was electrocuted while trying to retrieve his drone that was stuck in a tree by using a metal pole. Ugh. 37-year-old Ref Teasley died after he was electrocuted trying to dislodge his drone. Yikes. A woman who (laughs) slashed her boyfriend with a samurai sword 26 times and chopped off several of his fingers when she discovered he was on Tinder, has been jailed for 19 years. This is in Washington State. She used a samurai sword, which she said she bought at the mall a week earlier. And yeah, she plotted this attack out after finding the Tinder dating app on his phone. (laughs) Wait, what? Her boyfriend's name is Alex Lovell. She's Emily Javier. And... The boyfriend says he survived thanks to his training as a competitive video game player and his passion for kung fu movies. Uh, Yeah, he seems to have kind of an easygoing attitude about the whole thing. She said she's very jealous and uh, whatever. So be it. So she's going away for a long time. A Texas, another one of these stories, you guys. A Texas mom of three died when a large rock thrown from an overpass crashes through her family car's windshield and hits her while her children are in the back seat. This should be the fucking death penalty automatic. Keila Ruby Flores, 33. She was in the passenger seat when the rock hit the windshield on Saturday. She was left severely injury, severely injured. Unfortunately, she succumbed to her injuries and did pass away the next morning. You little fucks who do that, honestly, I, I, would, I would murder somebody on the spot if I saw them doing that to a car over a freeway. A uh, youth referee who was indicted and arrested and indicted in an underage sex ting has uh, died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. That worked itself out. 38-year-old Brent Parton faced two counts of obscene internet contact with children and sexual exploitation of children. And he was the subject of a four-week investigation where he allegedly thought he was speaking to a 12-year-old online. (laughs) A mental health worker has been charged with molesting multiple elderly disabled patients. Go look at this dude's picture and tell me you'd ever leave your parents with him. This is in Pinellas Park, Florida. 34-year-old Nikolai Brief is alleged to have molested the patients while working as a tech at the personal enrichment through mental health services. Ugh, yeah. This guy looks like a fucking homeless dude. And you're going to leave your parents with him? A female police officer got in trouble in Las Vegas. Uh, She used police equipment to conduct record searches while on duty for friends and family. 
and she was arrested for five counts of felony misconduct along with capturing the image of the private area of another person. Uh, she basically, she's made a video of a man with a tear in his pants, okay? In the video, he kicked a police car which exposed his genitals. And so Sorkow, this is Officer Rachel Sorkow, used the squad car PA, the public address, to tell the man to continue kicking the car while she recorded the video and distributed it to friends. <laughs> All right, not guilty. Not guilty. I'm saying it right now. Uh, they came out with a new wearable penis camera, you guys. It's very exciting. Yeah, this is a camera you wear on your dick. Think of it like a GoPro on your penis. Yes, there's, it's like a camera. Think of a GoPro with a ring that you stick your penis into, right? So now you can fucking get the bird's eye view of your giant bulging shaft burying itself into your lover's genitals. That's right. It's called the cock cam, obviously, from UK company Jules. It's basically a cock ring with a camera on it. It's available for $160. All right. So <laughs> it weighs in at less than an ounce. And the stretchy yet tight wearable ring uh, mounts around your penis, and the camera records up to 90 minutes of 1080p video. And it has night vision. <laughs> God damn. Uh, oh, geez. Guys, I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't know if I can go on. Uh, foreign adoptions to the United States have fallen by 14%, continuing a trend. Yep. That is extending a decline that's now continued for 14 years. Sharp drops in adoptions from China and Ethiopia offset the notable increases from India and Colombia. Okay, So the Indian kids, the Colombian kids, they're in demand. The Chinese, Ethiopians, not so much. Eh, poor kids. Tucker Carlson was in the news because he uh, he he was he was called on he was, he did a radio show a long time ago and he spoke like uh, dismissively of many women and used crude language and so that came about and they tried to get him fired they're always they just want Tucker off the air so they drug out um, Anderson Cooper unearthed the carcass of Sam Donaldson remember him ABC News anchor. And uh, he was unpleased with Tucker. Well, Let's I hate to this. repeat myself, but can you think of uh, Matt Lauer or any of the other people, uh, Charlie Rose, uh, saying, well, wait a moment, uh, it was just in jest, it was in fun. I mean, this was something that, that wasn't that important, was it? Uh, yes, it was important. It happened long ago, but yes, it's still important. Your character's important. And what's happening today is a revolution when it comes to the way men treat women. Well, you say, but this is not that. No, this is vulgarity. This is hate speech. This is homophobic speech. This is the kind of speech that oh, scary. left unchecked will change this country forever. It's just as bad, and it should be punished in the way that the men were punished for what they did. What are you but fucking stupid? I don't foresee it happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you out of your mind, Sam Donaldson? Matt Lauer and fucking Charlie Rose, as exhaustively covered on this podcast, committed crimes. And, and, and even if you give them a charitable view of the crimes, they still sexually harassed many young women under their power. Tucker Carlson was on the phone with a fucking radio DJ. You idiot. Oh, my God. And Sam, you know what? Every time I see one of these old fart news anchors, I just think to myself, my God, 
How much fake news did these guys push before social media made it a lot harder? You know, like in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s? Nobody fact-checked these guys. Fucking Cronkite was like the voice of God, right? They could say whatever they wanted. The newspapers could print whatever they wanted. And nobody would ever know. They were the kings. They said what... And I just think... I, I look back now going, my God, how much shit was just embellished, lies, uh, made up, exaggerated? How much of that over the last hundred years? Because the media believed a certain thing and they wanted you to believe a certain thing. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Too funny. And, well, I've got a lot of other stories, but guys, I've, I'm running out of time. Uh, just I'll just do a quick, uh, some headlines. I'm going to try to do this. Uh, one, The Guardian is wondering if porn is making young men impotent. Uh, they want to build a train just for Coachella <laughs> out of Los Angeles. What are they, out of their minds? Um, retailers, that's an all-time low. Retailer stocks are getting bashed like crazy. There's going to be 5,000 retail stores closing. I'm sorry. There's 5,000 store closings already in 2019. Wow. I am not investing in any retail. Um, a Canadian butcher, my Canadian listeners, you guys, this one's for you. A, uh, a guy who killed and dismembered his girlfriend in 1999 has been paroled, and he plans to live his life as a transgender woman. So that's, I guess that makes it okay. Zahra Farhan. 46, formerly known as Khaled Farhan, was awarded parole and is able to move into a halfway house. Well, he has decided now to live his life as a transgender woman. So, which means he's quite woke, regardless of the horrible crimes he did. Uh, I wanted to get this early. This is the one I couldn't find, you guys. The Pentagon did impose new restrictions on transgender service members. That did go into effect. And after all the hysteria, all it is is that if you're already undergoing the process or you're trained, you can't go in the military, which is what I said fucking two years ago. Big friggin' deal. Beginning April 12th, anyone seeking to join the military who's ever been di diagnosed with gender dysphoria and sought medical transition treatment is no longer eligible to enlist. Anyone who identifies as transgender but hasn't received a medical diagnosis and begun transitioning can still join, but can only serve in his or her biologic sex. That's what, that's all I ever wanted, you guys. And finally, let's go to the big finish. In a reported case, this might they say this is the first reported case of its kind. A woman has had an anaphylactic reaction to semen. That's right, in Spain. This woman showed up to the emergency room in the General University Hospital of Alicante. She was vomiting profusely, had shortness of breath, and her entire body was covered in hives. The doctors caused, diagnosed her with a moderate anaphylactic reaction, allergic reaction. Their only clue was that the patient's reaction had started after having unprotected sex with her male partner, which involved, quote, oral ejaculation, end quote, according to the report. Now, one possibility was you can be allergic to semen. It's called seminal plasma hypersensitivity. It's a very rare allergic reaction, right? And they thought it was that, but it was not. What happened was, in the five days leading up to the incident, her partner, a 32-year-old man, had been taking ibuprofen and augmentin, 
a type of prescription antibiotic medication to treat his middle ear infection. He'd taken his latest dose four hours before the couple had sex. Well, <laughs> Augmentin contains a type of penicillin called amoxicillin, very common antibiotic. And having ruled out of everything else, doctors then figured out that this woman actually had an allergy to penicillin and it was passed on to the woman in the form of oral sexual contact. So um, without being too graphic on this, ladies, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm just saying, when you're fucking letting your man do the big porno finish right on top of you, I mean, we all like it. I know the ladies, I know you like it. Guys, I know you like it. Let's just fucking make sure we have ruled out any allergies being passed along in that seminal fluid. Can we? For the love of God, that's fucking it, you guys. That's it. That's two and a half hours. There goes the iPad. Oh, man. Thanks very much for listening, you guys. It's been, uh, by the way, just a quick programming note. I may be fluctuating between Saturdays and Fridays with the podcast for the next couple weeks just because I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to try to keep going. One way you can help me keep going is, of course, uh, consider making a donation to the Patreon. Go to patreon.com. Look for BK Actual. Man, donate a pledge a buck or two. Come on. This is hours of entertainment every month, people. You know it's good stuff. Uh, Support free speech. Support the rule of law. And one more time, can't thank you guys enough for all the support. So keep sending me all those news stories. I use a lot of them. That is going to do it for me. See you next week. But you were designed for my punishment.